You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. The only people for me are the mad ones. The world is filled with the boring and the barely conscious. Misery loves company. But we don't have to live this way. Jessica and I are here to talk to those the system rejects, to radicals and thought criminals. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but push the boundaries of acceptable discourse. Those who stare reality in the face and dare it to be different. History isn't made by the timid, and fun is not had by the perpetually afraid. We are the mad ones. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Mad Ones. I'm your I haven't killed anyone, but I sure have listened to a lot of stories about other people who have host Cam Harless. And with me, as always, is your one day will be an owner of a haunted bed and breakfast and Christian commune hostess, Miss Jessica Green. My husband is so rude. He won't uproot our entire lives and move to Indiana and buy the uh, Fox Hollow Farm Farm so we can open a haunted B&B. Um, he said we would be out of business in a week's time, and I just feel like he doesn't believe in the beauty of my dreams. I mean, it it that's that is what it sounds like. I mean, I would, <laughs> I would talk like a lawyer, um, but not. <laughs> um, so, but before we get started, I do want to say I'm not going to throw up the sponsors right now. You saw them in the pictures, but if you could hit subscribe and like before we get going, that helps us. So go ahead and do that. And I'm really excited about tonight. Because one of my favorite podcasters, I know that you've heard me say since since I started coding a couple years ago that I kind of stopped listening to podcasts. But before that, uh, the guy that we have on tonight was one of my staples. Like at, it was it was sword and scale before that when it came to true crime. But then I found Luna, and I thought this is this is where it's at. Uh, so joining us tonight is easily one of my favorite storytellers in both true crime podcasting and in general. A family man with a penchant for darkness, a wordsmith with many a morose anecdote to accompany the dark topics he talks about, and a master of the macabre in a world of oral history. The host of Dark Topic and co-host of 9-11 Calls with the Operator, Mr. Jack Luna. Hey, a master of oral. I appreciate it, man. Or history. (laughs) Oral history. Just Just oral. (laughs) Glad to be here. I've heard the stories of your prowess, so... (laughs) <laughs> the world needs to know. I could deep throat uh, a bit, uh, plantain, bro. It's impressive. Uh, Plantains well, are bigger than bananas. So, yeah, yeah I'm I'm yeah. really excited to talk to you because I think I've tried to do this for like two years, and then it's just never worked out until now. And so, you are so. When I announced you, I had said to start spooky season, we have Jack Luna coming on, and then I said it and tweeted it, and I immediately thought afterwards. Man, I sounded like a basic white bitch just then. Who am I? How dare I? you? <laughs> I didn't see it, man. I've been trying to lay off the social media. It's it's bad. It's bad for your um your ego. I guess in my position, I don't have a lot of people that that'll like comment and things on stuff. But I mean, even if you have like 20, 30 people who like your stuff, you start to get this kind of like, yeah. And what else can I do to make you guys feel? You know, like I'm bestowing my presence upon you. I'm just like <laughs> laying, laying, laying off entirely. And also the conversations that happen, uh, you know, in, in those uh, social media situations about you or just about anything in general. I'm trying to lay off. I'm trying to lay off and just um, get fresh perspective from like real people in real life lately. Yeah. Hey, that's never I find that if somebody... 
if somebody can willfully misinterpret something that you say on social media, they will do it. So yeah. it's pretty much giving people the opportunity to upset you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot of gr really great people out there too. It's just, it's not the real world. Yeah. Yeah. That's something to remind myself about too, because it can seem like, you know, if this is a reflection of the world, you know, when's the next flood coming? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thankfully it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I just realized as I heard you talking just now? I don't know how I didn't realize it until just now. Have you ever been told that you kind of sound like Will Arnett? Yeah. I've been told William Shatner, my delivery on Monstro was like that. Will Arnett. It's just because I'm Canadian, I, I think. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting BoJack Horseman vibes here. Oh, well, that's, that's that's high praise, man. I, I love BoJack Horseman. <laughs> yeah, I love BoJack Horseman, man. I'm sorry, I'm a little down today. I, I was, uh, I just right up until we started, I was, I finished um, an episode of Dark Topic for, for Patreon about some horrible shit with uh, like little kids. But I went, and I took a shower, I got deodorant on. Is it okay if I smoke in here? What do you guys? You guys yeah, okay definitely for? go for it. All right. I'm sure you need a smoke after that. I listened to some of your episodes and thought, gosh, I don't know how he deep dives topics like this. And it doesn't, it has to wear on your psyche. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, like, I mean, I'd like to say that it doesn't, but it does. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I, I think a lot of people would, would try to say that it does. You, you can compartmentalize it or just like drop it once you're done with it. But, but the truth is no. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to kids, I oh, actually, yeah. when it comes to just, but here's the thing, oftentimes when you're doing, cause in true crime, it's so oversaturated that you're really trying to find cases that nobody else has covered at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you'd find yourself in a studio, like where I'm at, right? This gloomy fucking studio and in the corner of my garage in the middle of a prairie at like three in the morning, writing about this stuff. And you, I think to myself, I'm like, I might be the only person on earth right now thinking about this particular obscure crime and and really diving deep into maybe what the victim went through and all that and he's, mm -hmm. it's not like i believe in the supernatural or anything like that but you start to freak yourself out a little bit sure yeah, because i mean like, sorry I, if i was a ghost and something horrible had happened to me and and if ghosts are real um and you can be in tune with somebody thinking about you on earth and suddenly I'm thinking about a crime from like the 1950s that no one's even spoken about for a while, right? I'm really going at it and my, my psychic energy and all that is a tune. You, you just get a little freaked out. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's what's funny is like I had like a really long like true crime phase where I was listening to true crime podcasts left and right. And you worked with um, Mike Boudet. Yep. from uh, sword and scale and like sword and i was telling jessica this earlier is you know i'd listen to i'm gonna heap praise upon your head now just so you're aware okay um, can. but uh so i like uh, your I hair man you got beautiful hair <laughs> thank you all right he didn't say beard <laughs> oh no no just his hair yeah <laughs> uh but i listened to boudet a lot and it was like I, I like what he does i like how he puts together a story and it's all very factual but then my friend, my friend Kim, who's in the chat right now, actually introduced me to Sword and Scale, and then uh, also introduced me to your your stuff in Dark Topic before y'all did Monstro, which Thanks, you know, we can talk about that. But um, what's funny is like once I hit your your show, what I really loved, and I kind of mentioned it in your intro, is your use of anecdote. Um, I, I'm sure you know of like parasocial relationships where there are people who feel like they have they're like your friend because they've listened to you talk 
sure. or they have these different things. But what was really special, I think, about Dark Topic was the fact that, you know, I was learning about you and your responses as well as the story. And so I really appreciated that. And so yeah. I guess last year, God, time has just melded together over the last year and a half. I did, um, it's because I wanted to do true crime for a bit. And then I decided what I'll do is on my show, I'll make um, es essentially government true crime. Cool. And so I talked about Ruby Ridge and I did a uh -huh. three part episode on the Waco massacre. What was it going to be called? What was your podcast going to be called? I don't, I don't think I even got, well, well, I know it was, what was funny is me and Kim talked about doing it together. And um, at, for a minute, it was going to be called give me death. Not bad. Um, because it was, we're both kind of in, the, good. We're, we're in the Liberty sphere. So give me yeah. Liberty or give oh. me death. So it's just going to be, yeah. give me death. Um, it's actually good. <laughs> but, um, so I did those episodes, and so I deep dove into Waco and David Koresh and the ATF and all that shit they did, and all the kids. Big fan, killed. big fan and of killing kids. No, of uh, David Koresh <laughs> <laughs> in, I, in that movie. I was a big fan of the actor. I'm sorry. Yeah, his. Have you ever heard his music, David uh, Koresh? Is, is it good? No, it's I haven't not heard. Bad. I mean, it's very '80s, '90s, but it's it's not bad for what it is. You ever heard and Charlie Manson's music? I've heard the Beach Boys. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he almost made it, man. It was almost much different, wasn't it? Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. I uh, know, but I, I, when I when I did it, if you if you ever listen to those, you'll you'll you had inspired me to kind of g try that. And so you know, I have the quotes that I use and stuff like that because I just that just worked for me. Yeah. Um, but I got through with the third Waco episode, and I was set to start looking at the Franklin cover-up and um, the Oklahoma City bombing. And then after I got done with Waco, I was like, nope, can't do this. Yeah. Can't do this. <laughs> was it was it just too too much? Like it was um, with the kids and all that kind of stuff? Or why wasn't it you couldn't do it? Well, it was it, like I, I can do it, but it was like so it first off, it took so much more time because I don't have like anyone uh. helping me with research. And so it was most of my time was dug into this. So it was like a, a solid two months of me reading and looking at all this stuff and seeing, because the way the gas worked that was set on fire and that hit the kids is it turned into cyanide. And so it constricted their muscles. Huh. And so there were Im images of tiny kids whose muscles had constricted so badly that their bodies were in like a, a C shape. Well, Backwards. damn. I'm not going to cover like, that either then. I was like, Real. damn, that, that sucked. <laughs> See, yeah. that's, the, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I'd focus on in a story are those kind of details, right? So there's certain ones where I would look at and hearing what you said right there, I, I, I would consider, but that's a really well-known case as well. And then there's a yeah. lot to it. It's a can of worms. I mean, there's a lot of religious aspects to it and things like that too. For for not to make it about me, but for me personally, I, I like something a little more clean where I can, yeah. um, exa not exaggerate, but kind of work with the story a little bit and not have to get too deep into anything political, religious, social. What was fun about that first one was it, the the first episode was essentially like, who is David Koresh? And so it was kind of a breakdown of his beliefs and stuff like that. And then my like, well, that's stupid. And then. <laughs> moving on um but what was what the one that made me really interested was uh your episode on jack kevorkian because mm -hmm. i think that that has to be probably the best thing i've ever listened to about Thanks, dr death mm -hmm. 
Um, because not only did you get into kind of how he felt about things, how he did things, but you had the, the different anecdotes of like the cat and, you know, where you worked before and all these, the, the, the kid that wouldn't eat unless you were, you were feeding him these different aspects that were like, it just colored the hell out of the whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, I just really appreciated that because it's like with 911 calls with the operator, I think it was the operator that said it, that, um, you know, if people could hear these deaths or they listen to these things, then they wouldn't romanticize Bundy or yeah, that's right. other, other monsters. And it's like, we talk about that yeah. quite a bit. You got to get right there. You got to get down to, yeah, people who like uh, romanticize serial killers go take a walk with them into the woods and watch them bang a putrefying corpse and put makeup on it and see how sexy Ted Bundy is now, right? Yeah, that's what something I was talking to Cam about before you came in was that they have Ted Bundy tours. And the mm. majority of the people who take these Ted Bundy tours are women. And then on top of it, they'll play like recordings of his voice. And you'll one in one of these episodes, I saw a woman grabbing her necklace and rocking it back and forth as she listened to Ted Bundy talk. And I don't know, this is something you do when you're like stimulated. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so I, I don't know that I would like qualify it as sexual stimulation, but she was definitely stimulated listening to this man's voice. And there's something about the idea that he was dangerous or I, I can't, you know, I can't venture into what was actually going on in her brain. But I was kind of like, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just didn't, I don't know what makes that mentality tick, but there are these groups of women. It's not a small group of them who um, marry and befriend men who are in prison for murder and they want to be with them. There's something alluring about how dangerous they are. I think it's a, I, I don't like to speculate on it too much because I'm a guy, but um, there's like a mothering aspect to it where it's like, I mm -hmm. want to save this person and they're repenting and they're lost and they're stuck and they're interesting. Uh, they're compelling, they're manipulative, they're not seeing it as that, but they're seeing it as charming, but it's actually man manipulation that they're they're experiencing, okay. and it's easy to get sucked in. I mean, as a whole, with true crime podcasting, I think it's probably, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'd take a guess that it's 75, 80% women that listen to true crime podcasts for some reason. I believe that. I believe that. And um, Cam, why do you think that is? I, 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 or, or Jessica, I mean, I, I um, have a few ideas, but what do you guys think? You want to well, go first? That is, Go ahead, Jeff. That is a, a, the perennial question for me because, like, I enjoy them because I am very interested in figuring out the site, the psychology of someone who's broken enough to do these things. Like, I'm just fascinated by how someone could be that deviant or be that strange, and I want to understand it. Me too. But I, I don't know about women. Like, it, it does seem like there's a a big love of <clears throat> murder. Like that. There's that other uh, true crime podcast 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 my favorite murder uh -huh. and it's like the name i know it's tongue-in-cheek but it's still like you read it and you're like well that's a that's a little bit of a turn well <laughs> they also call their their fans murderinos and they're like making the whole thing kind of fun right and it's uh you know i don't want to crash on them because they got a army of uh, fans that will come and try to destroy you but <laughs> anyways i um i have a little theory on this and it stems from the fact that I recognize that Silence of the Lambs in the Hannibal hmm. series is actually a love story. Yeah. And when, I mean, I don't know how many people read the books, but even through the movies, you can see that there is a sexual attraction between Clarice and Hannibal. Yes. And in the um, 
Thomas Harris, right? Thomas Harris wrote those books, I believe. I, I'm not sure the author's name. We can we can Google oh, that, okay. but um, I believe it's in the movie Hannibal, the one where he eats Ray Liotta's brain, and yeah. sh she's got him cornered. She's got him handcuffed to her, and he manages to trap her ponytail in that refrigerator. And in that scene, she is heaving. Her chest is heaving. Her breasts are heaving toward him. And when he realizes that it's it's he has to either hurt her or he's caught, he decides to cut his own arm off of his body rather than to hurt Clarice. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where I went, oh, my God, this is a love story. <laughs> like, right. um, And there's something compelling about that. I think that there is an allure to dangerous men. Yeah. Um, there's also the character of the Kingpin in, um, oh, what's that Marvel series called now? Daredevil. Daredevil, thank you. How the woman who is the, the mate, the uh, paramour of the Kingpin, She's in love with him because he's dangerous, because at any moment he could snap and snap her neck. Mm. And there's something she finds alluring about that. Something passionate. 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 Right. It's right. Like writing so dragons. I'm not I'm not entirely sure what motivates that. It's not certainly not a position I would want to find myself in where any moment this person could decide to end me. But um, I do recognize that that's something within that exists within women that, yeah. you know, maybe they feel protected by it. I'm not sure. Maybe, or even the threat, like, I mean, to go, I don't want to go too far into this the conversation because it's a little dicey. I mean, you guys kind of do dicey though on this, right? It's oh the yeah, mad let's ones. do dicey. Yeah. But I mean, there are a lot of women who will stay with abusive men because the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And mm. when you're showing abuse towards somebody, you are clearly not being indifferent. You are caring about that relationship, even if it's in a sick way. So there are women who will um, stay with a guy because it's like he smashes on me and he treats me poorly. Like he, he yells at me because he's passionate about this relationship and he wants yeah. to keep me. Yeah. Which is sick, right? It is. Yeah. But, but it still works for men. That like that. Human psyche is not clean. You know, we've come up through survival in an unimaginably scary environment and the ways that we've done that have evolved these survival mechanisms that don't necessarily you know they're not the the clean um linen version of ourselves that we'd like to see in church every sunday necessarily but they have enabled survival through yes. nature Yes, you're nailing it because that's at least a part of it is that if you're with a man who's dangerous enough to be abusive towards you or abusive towards other people, then that's the type of man who will stand up for you in a dangerous situation when you're both being threatened with an outside source. And that would be very primal, right? That would mm -hmm. be like caveman, cavewoman in a cave yep. with a bear coming into it. What's he going to do? I've always thought, and again, this is dicey, so um, yeah. that men who were incapable of violence were useless to me that um, being incapable of violence means that if something were threatening me, you couldn't do anything to protect me against it. Right. So, you know, I don't want a harmless man. I want a man who is incredible, of, uh, in, in, is capable of incredible violence, but controls himself. I love that it. is strength. But again, I want the same man. I'm looking for the same man, Jessica. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for you, Jack. Hey, Maybe I found him. Could be Cam. He's got that beautiful <laughs> genetics with the hair and the beard. 
that's an uncomfortable <laughs> truth. I know that there are a lot of women maybe who would hear me say that and be like, what? <laughs> but I think that there's a primal, as, as you described it, a primal truth to it. And it's not, not the cleanest version of ourselves that we'd like to see, but it is true. That's the thing with people disagreeing with you. If you have an opinion like that, what you're saying, I think is a truth, but I mean, it's okay to have an opinion or, or, or it's okay for it to be a piece of it. You know, just, just because it's not all of it doesn't mean it's wrong. It could be like a piece of it. And there's other things that go with it as well. And someone would come a counteract against you and say that we've evolved since then. And we need things to change with the way that men behave and all that. But it's like, no, you, you still need a little bit, bit, little piece of that for the attraction aspect. And uh, in, in reality, I mean, terrible things still do happen in the world. We think we're, that we're safe, but I mean, um, read the news. Yeah. Or, yeah. No. or don't. Or don't. <laughs> 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 yeah, absolutely. So on that, though, sorry, sorry, Jessica. No, go ahead. On, Please go ahead. On um, reading the news, I also think uh, my tagline is "Eyes cocked, doors locked, stay paranoid," and that's kind of cringes on me now. Where because, of course, I think that there's a serial killer outside of my studio, possibly right now. My kids and my girl are in the house and I'm thinking if someone breaks into the house right now, there's a part of me that thinks that way. I understand that the reason why I think that way is because I'm constantly reading about serial killers and constantly reading yeah. horrible news, right? So, you know, I've exposed myself to too much of that. I think that it happens in society a lot right now, too, where we're constantly with CNN, Fox, YouTube channels, name it, where they're just trying to inundate you with stuff that is compelling. And as human beings, I believe that we're compelled by things that threaten us. And that yeah. goes with true crime as well, because it's like part of it is like this uh, rubbernecking aspect when it comes to mm -hmm. true crime or the news, poor news, where it's like, um, at least it didn't happen to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Or it's it's like, could that have happened to me? And how can I avoid that happening to me? And the news and true crime does this to people as well. And I'm I'm a part of this where it um it plays on on those emotions and uh, mm -hmm. uses that to compel you to the content. It's a little wrong. I am one of those large seventy five percent of women that are the true crime listeners. And I grew up in a house where my aunt was watching the SVU and Law and Order all the time. And I think that there was an aspect to that. I remember asking her, why do you watch this stuff? And she's like, I want to understand the way these people operate. Mm -hmm. And I think on some level, we think we're going to solve evil. <laughs> like if we just understand it well enough, we can put it in a box, we can quantify it, we can circumscribe it. And then, then by nature, deal with it. That's, uh -huh. of course, impossible. Impossible. But we, we have the urge to um, conquer the wild of our world with our brains. I agree. And yeah, I think that that's part of why, because women are primarily the victims of these killers. They are. So we, we have a special sort of vested interest, I think also in, in serial killers because we are their targets. Great point. That's actually part of it. Definitely part of it as well. I also think that there's um, an empathy aspect that might be a little bit skewed, but I've, I've said in the past, and again, this is, goes to what I said earlier, it's not all of it, but I think it's part of it, is that um, a lot of us are very empathetic people who like to, or, who are drawn to this kind of sh shit, this, this true crime stuff. Um, we want to feel. And mm -hmm. when you're listening to something terrible happening, you are able to exercise some kind of empathy and if you are an empath or, you know, a sensitive person, it feels good to, to 
exercise of empathy. Sure, what you're hearing is is bad, but the it's almost like a euphoric feeling when you're when you have the feeling of um, empathy for for something. And there's constant mm-hmm. feelings of empathy if you're a, a sensitive person listening to this kind of stuff. It's a bit of a do- it's a it's a dopamine effect, I think. Well, I think for that, example, no, go I'm ahead, just going to say I think that it's interesting because if you look at the news versus in the political sphere versus like true crime with good true crime it does give you that outlet for empathy and feeling for someone else but if you look at the news you get the empathy but then it's weaponized yeah it is weaponized mm-hmm. and so i think that i think that that's kind of where i was because you know i haven't i i sometimes i do a news show with monica perez called the propaganda report oh um but uh, on occasion but other than that, I don't really read the news unless it pops up in one of my feeds. And right. around the time I kind of stopped doing that was when I started listening to true crime and uh, you and last podcast on the left because hilarious. Yeah. Because that was, and that's the thing. Like I was talking to Jessica about this earlier is one of the, the cool things about listening to dark topic is I see myself in you when there's this horribly terrible and absurd and horrifying moment and you laugh and it's really not (laughs) something you can even control but it's Uh like that's your your response to it is like (laughs) and you laugh at it and i do the same thing and so i'm like am i broken or Uh is this just a healthy expression of reacting to horror you know i was actually going to mention that because one of the things i appreciated about jack uh uniquely i think with your podcast is that not only do you delve into these really dark topics but you share a little bit of your darkness too and i think that makes people say hey you know what maybe i'm not such a complete freak because someone can relate to me about the way that i feel about this stuff mm-hmm. um you shared an incredibly and i hope you don't mind me bringing that up oh, but it no, was incredible it was a incredibly, incredibly personal mo- moment when you did the two-parter on Herb Baumaster. Mm-hmm. And you talked about um, how when you only had one child, mm-hmm. if for whatever reason that child had died, mm-hmm. you had planned to join him on the other side so that you could ferry him through. Yeah, it's kind and of... Mm-hmm. I found... I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I just found um, that very personal and I appreciated you sharing it because that's a thought I would have. And it made me feel like I'm not such a weirdo for having that kind of thought. I don't personally have children, but I know if if I had and that were the case, that would be my instinct too. And I thought, this is a person I understand. You know, thank like, you. thank you for sharing that. Thank no, thanks for uh, picking it out. I, I I didn't remember that it was on that particular episode. I, I really enjoyed doing that episode, so I guess that would have been part of it. Yeah, no, I did, I did, I did feel that way. I don't feel that way now. I have two kids, right. so you know that'd be a very selfish yeah. act. But at the time, um, when you're a new new father, a new mother, or whatever, and and the kid is just two, three years old, and especially in my situation, talking about the things I was talking about. I mean, I there there are there's a part of me that really does believe that there's something else out there. I don't know exactly what it is, and I do think it influences us. I think it influences us that are worth it, um, and that means people that are good and bad, mm-hmm. uh, powerful people, people that are open, people that um, have the tools within their abilities to um, wreak havoc or or spread love in, in the world, and. Um, I just didn't want, uh, if my child was to go to be alone in a world that I was perceiving to exist 
where these things can kind of swoop in and um, take them away. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, that's it's fucked up. But yeah, that's the way I felt. I still feel that way. I still. But feel you shared that song by Death Cab for Cutie. You know that I don't know if you know it. With the lines were, "If heaven and hell decide uh, that both were satisfied, and illuminate the nose on on their vacancy signs." Um, if there's if there's oh, no one beside that song you, makes me cry. Um, when you embark, then I'll follow you into the dark. Huh. And it's it, it just made me think of a yeah. Death Cab for Cutie song because I'm our... I, I used to listen to emo music. <laughs> <laughs> but that connection, our love for one another, is so strong that it would you know go against every instinct we have as human beings to preserve our lives. And I I appreciated that moment because it was real and it like it made the little hairs on the back of my neck stand up. And I was like, you know, thank you for sharing a real human moment in in a world where we're like surrounded by non-reality and, you know, things trying to influence us. I just like, but that was a, a real piece of someone that they shared. And you do that a lot in your podcast. And even when you laugh at inappropriate moments, it was yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to an actual person. Thanks, Jessica. I appreciate yeah. it. It's it's not easy. I mean, it, uh, sorry, it is it is easy if you're being honest and you're and you're being being real. But on a podcast, like I'll leave those things in at certain moments if I think that it's it was genuine from me. Yeah. If I ever sense that I did it just to get that elicit that reaction, mm-hmm. uh, that's a little bit different. I think that there are a lot of people out there that have um, picked and chosen pieces that they would like to represent themselves as, as parts of their personality. And uh, they use these things to manipulate people into feeling whatever they want them to feel. Yes. And I'm really careful with that. Like, I don't want to be that because I, 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 not about religion or or whatever else. I, I mean, I think it's very important in this life to be exactly what it is that you are and evolve honestly through the process of, of, of living. I think it really, it's very important. And if you uh, stray, then you're not worth it. The, uh, the way that I see it is or to me, not to get too heavy on you, but I, 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 a part of me really feels like, you know, in baseball, they have the major leagues and then they have the farm leagues. And then the uh, managers or the owners of those teams will, will pick guys that are worth it from, from those farm leagues. I feel like the earth is a farm league in a way. And, uh, and uh, a lot of us aren't worth it. And uh, if that is the case, and, I, and I'm right about that, I, I, I'd like to strive to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bold human endeavor, too, because there's a lot of distractions along that path. It's not an easy path. Like, it's fraught. For, with for any of us. Yeah, terrible difficulty, suffering in that pathway. Yeah, and that's what's so disturbing when you see a child pass um, because they didn't have the chance to develop. And I guess that they, if if what I'm talking about is true, you know, and I, I'm not sure what I believe in all this, but like they weren't given the chance to fully evolve into what they were going to be. So they're kind of a lost soul in my mind. And that's where that whole Herb Baumeister about my son thing was because it's like, you know, if you're going to judge that kid, he just got hit by a car. That's my bad. He shouldn't have got hit by that car. I'm gone too. You know, talk to me about it. <laughs> yeah. Weird. <laughs> so, being as a I've dad. Listened, yeah. Being, being a dad, I think there's two things that happen the moment your first child breaches the vagina and comes into the world, <laughs> which is one, you, you become in, uh, capable of, if you're, remotely a good person uh capable of incredible sacrifice you're willing to die for this person and then there's the flip side of that coin which means you're incredibly 
you're you're capable of incredible and intense brutal violence if anything ever <laughs> happens to them yeah it's like this this uh you know not bipolar you. but both sides and it's uh -huh. it's it's amazing to me um so i did i when i listen to your podcast i i pick up these little bits and pieces of who you are what you've done you know jobs you've had stuff like that and i find it I, i'd love to know kind of what led you to make that first episode what was the inspiration maybe some of you know the time that you worked at that place the cat which people are going if people haven't listened to your show they're like what fucking cat no <laughs> I, you know what he mentioned the cat and said if you're an animal lover you're gonna wanna and spotify has this great little <laughs> speed ahead feature by 15 seconds and i just <laughs> tapped a couple of the 15 seconds it's like i i get the idea of what's about to happen here i don't yeah. need it so no, okay, yeah thank good. you for the warning i appreciate you you're welcome and I, I i won't i won't revisit it right now either yeah <laughs> thank you but i just kind of want to know not necessarily that story if you want to listen to what you had to, to do the... by the way you did what you had to do i i know that uh, i did i I, yeah. I really did you should have seen it. it it was it it needed to be done i knew and if I you want to hear that but... his jack kevorkian episode you can find it Google yeah. it dark topic, Jack Kevorkian and listen to it. Thanks, man. Um, but so uh, what, what was it about your past and what kind of led to the, to what you do now? Well, when I, when I was a kid, I mean, I uh, got bumped up a grade for a minute. I got bumped up to like, uh, for, I think it was from three to four. They thought that I had, um, some kind of ability and then they soon found out that I didn't when it came to everything else. But what, what made them do it was because my ability to, to write, I wrote a play, I rewrote the Christmas Carol story. And, uh, then they put me in this class and I was only really good at that, at uh, writing. Um, and so I, um, continued to write i think in grade seven i came in third place in an oral language festival i actually forgot my lines on stage in reality what happened was i didn't forget my lines i was just trying to make my friends laugh and uh i just acted all weird up there and i, I just thought it was so corny to be telling this story in this kind of like talent festival situation anyways i i uh Acted like I forgot my lines and I left and I still came in for third place somehow. But um, so it was in my head. I was like, I can write. But when I reached high school, I said to myself, I have no experience. I was reading Jack Vorkian, uh, Stephen King, Dean Koontz, John Saul. John Saul's not the greatest. Um, Peter Straub. You know, I was re reading a lot of like fiction. Anne Rice for the ladies. And... Uh, <laughs> which is great. The Witching Hour. She wrote some long books. Anne Rice is a supreme talent in writing. I mean, I I, oh my God. Like the way that she I can describe it. I have her entire over on the back. Oh, back there. Yeah. I was she's, big at Anne Rice. <laughs> she's incredible. Incredible. Like the way that she could just describe like a, like a courtyard in a New Orleans, you know, um, estate. And with all the wispy will, I mean, I can't do it, but I mean, she could go for pages and pages and I can't get enough of it. I'm a huge fan of just hearing like the details of a house and mm -hmm. uh, Stra Straub's good at that too. But anyways, I didn't feel like I had enough life experience to be a writer at that point. I was just a kid. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go out in my life. I'm going to get as much crazy experience as I possibly can. I dealt drugs, broken houses. I mean, I, I, um, you know, just when I was very young. Um, mm -hmm. But then I, I ended up getting into social services. 
um, worked with people who were dying, sat beside their bedsides as they passed away. I mean, and I did care about these people too, but all the while I knew that I was trying to accumulate experience. So at some point in my life, I would have enough life experience to have something to say. And yeah. when um, True Crime Podcasting came about, I heard True Murder by Dan Sapansky. Do you guys know who Dan Sapansky is? Mm -hmm. uh, no. That's all right. <laughs> He's Canadian. Uh, true Murder, the most shocking what is it? The most shocking crimes in true crime history and the authors who have written about them. It's one of the longest titles in uh, true crime, but he was one of the first found him, listened to him for a bit. And I was like, you know what? I can, I can, this is it because my grammar, my punctuation, my all, I don't have the skills. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't have the skill set. I mean, if you saw my writing, it would just be like a bunch of ellipses all through it. Just dot, 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 dot. I'm writing, basically I'm writing plays. Uh, for myself to be able to perform. And that really worked well with uh, True Crime because it can hide a lot of my weaknesses um, with my little anecdotes and just kind of going off the cuff in, in the middle of it. So it was just a really perfect uh, storm when I'm very thankful for the for the podcasting like movement and, and for True Crime being so popular and for me hitting it at the time that I did. It was just, it just worked out. You know, when you were um, describing being when you worked with people who were medically frail. Mm -hmm. um, my first job, if you can call it that, it was a, a volunteer position, was at a nursing home. Mm -hmm. And so I had sort of a similar experience in that there were people who were sort of like waiting around to die long past the point where anything that made them who they were as a person had long <laughs> since gone away. And to be honest, I mean, like I'm very torn on the assisted suicide topic um but when you were taught when you were bringing up the fact that like we do just sort of like withhold food and water at the point where they decide that there's no hope for you any longer uh -huh. like, I watched that happen and i was mm. like you know so that's that's obviously wrong you know what i'm saying and then there's that other side of me that's like you know this can be dangerous because people who um do have hope for life left but their relatives no longer want to foot the bill or feel <laughs> obligated to take care of them, uh -huh. could euthanize them. And right. so, you know, mm. I, I had experienced some of what you had experienced. And then I'm, I'm sort of watching the other side of it too. So I was like, you know, I, I'm glad that you presented that side of it. And, you know, because I'm torn about it. And I, I, a, I don't. You make a great point. With, with like the family that doesn't want to be involved and maybe they'll push for it and there's there's possibly money involved right mm -hmm. I mean th there's there's a lot going on there and th there's that's the reason why people are so like hesitant to push it through um and and to go back to what I was saying about my my son like if he was to pass away and he didn't have the chance to develop yet with what you just said Jessica like these people don't become themselves like they lose themselves with dementia and all this kind of thing at the end and who's to say whether or not they're able to make a proper decision at that point uh, when it comes to choosing whether or not they want to die what could be happening is that they got someone in their ear pushing them in that direction to yeah. agree with it yeah. so it, it's dicey and um to be honest with you i never really thought about it until you just brought that up because all the situations that i was in um the families weren't around like for me when they put them in the homes um in the care home so i worked with kids but i also worked with um MS, not not just MS patients. I always get people give me shit for that because MS doesn't actually uh, kill you. It's complications from MS in, in certain right. situations. But th those were the homes that I was in. And my experience was that the families had completely deserted them. 
but then they would show up when it was almost time with buckets of tears at the funeral and yep. trying to figure out the estate issues. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough one and, and it should be, I mean, we're yeah. talking life and death here. I think it's, you go by a situation to situation basis in, in this life it, it, with, with, with everything. I think that, that people have really lost their common sense when it comes to like in courts, you see it in courts all the time. It's like, not all crimes are created equally. You got one first, um, first degree murder with another first degree murder. I mean, they're not, they're not the same thing. One, yes, you should probably um, execute this person. The other, maybe not because the guy's young or the guy, you know, the guy was pushed into doing this, this, this uh, hit or something like that. Or in the other one, you got BTK crawling in through a window and strangling a woman with a garage. I mean, those, those, those are both first degree murder charges, but they're not the same. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's a lot of, um, gray area where i, I just i don't know where i'm going with it now i just talked about btk and got a boner there i apologize <laughs> <laughs> what's what's I mean... interesting about like some one of my favorite things about some serial killers is how smart they are until they're stupid yeah yeah like btk, BTK is the perfect example of that because btk killed a bunch of people mm. uh stopped he led the he led the police on for a while. He he had his 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 heyday, and then um, not that uh, what was it the early two thousands? Yeah, they were like, oh, he's he's dead now, or he's in jail. Whoever sure. it is, he's gone. And so Dennis Rader goes, uh, well, I can't let that lie. I can't yes. let them think that. And so this idiot, he he starts writing letters to the police and talking to the police. Which even if you're not a serial killer, don't talk to the police. Um, <laughs> But he starts sending them letters and he asks one of the police officers, hey, if I give you a I think it was a floppy disk, floppy disk, yeah, uh, it, with a letter on it, will you be able to trace that back to me uh, when no. I send it to you? And no, the Dennis, was, the, the police officer was like, no, of course not. Course no, that would never can't do that. <laughs> and of course, it showed where he worked uh, at, at the church and his name and all of it. Yep. And, and it's just like. That's amazing. Did I mean, you hear the probably fake news today that no. someone has figured out who um, oh, Zodiac? Zodiac killer is? Yeah, I wanted to hear Jack's take on that, actually. I uh, I don't pay attention, honestly, because I'm so wrapped up in everything else that like I'm focused on a case right now that I just finished up with. So I don't pay much attention. It just kind of crossed my radar right there. I think the Zodiac's long gone. I think that he's he's been dead for for a while mm -hmm. but you never know i mean you just had the um golden state killer get uh, get busted there jo joseph d'angelo um i would love if they caught the zodiac i mean that would be so that would be huge right but um yeah. I, I, but I think that he's, he's in the he's in the u.s senate right now <laughs> ted, cruz. ted cruz man yeah so I think part of the fascination with the true crime episodes for me is the payoff at the end when they get caught and they they mm -hmm. do face some justice and so i remember i was listening to some of your episodes before um we recorded today and my husband kept turning around and looking at me like why are you listening to this or turn this off it's creepy and i'm kind of like hey no i need to get to the end where he gets arrested like i need that part that's sort of the yeah uh, the closure the finish the big finish i guess i don't want to call it that yeah the closure thank you that's a better word but like i need to know even with the herb baumaster thing he didn't get caught and go to prison but he did die yep. and that's sort of like an important i need i need that to know that he's not around anymore that he's not outside of my door just now even though i wasn't herb baumaster's um 
fair. <laughs> no, so you weren't. To speak. No, <laughs> um, but I, you know, it, it makes like me feel a little better about the world, I guess, to know that, you know, th they do get caught. Yeah. Well, it's me to say that because recently I've been focusing on a few crimes that are, that are left a little bit more open-ended, which to me mm -hmm. is, is, is very disturbing. And I understand where you're coming from with that. Um, I don't know if I, if you got, Oh, I could tell you about the one that I just finished, but it has, it has to do with a woman who killed her kids. So I don't know if that's a little bit too much for you. It's, I can, I can, it's not cat I can do it quick. Yeah, go it quick. ahead. <laughs> yeah, we're, so, we're fine. Okay, so there's a woman, her name is, and this is current, right? Her name is Lisa Snyder, Lisa Rachel Snyder. She's 37 years old now. And uh, what happened was that she kind of like set this up. So she was um, talking back and forth online with this guy, only known as Daddy. And Daddy would make her um, do sexual things with her pit bull. Her pit bull's name was, uh, what was it, Benson or something? It doesn't matter. Boomer. And uh, he would he would send her all these she would send him all these photos of her like having the dog going down and all this kind of stuff. It's disgusting, right? So yeah. I'm describing all this this stuff, not not in as much detail as uh, you would want, Cam. <laughs> but um, so I can tell by your description so far that this is a white woman. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, Larger. I'm looking at pictures of her pictures of her now, and she looks exactly what you think she looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Putting that out there. Yeah. So Lisa Snyder, this is happening. And anyways, so she's talking to daddy and she's saying like my son, Connor, he's eight years old. Are you starting to show signs of being suicidal and all this? And like to anybody listening, it's like an eight year old rare, like ever has been yeah. suicidal. Like, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but it's kind of unusual. And when you dig deeper into the case, it's like this kid was happy at school. He's like flossing. It was 2019 when Fortnite was hot and all that kind of thing. He's like flossing in front of the class and he's reading his books and giggling to his little, uh, uh, ironically, dog boy is what he was like reading all the time. And um, anyways, Lisa ends up calling the cops one night and uh, says that her kids have been strung up in the bay, that her son, her eight-year-old has hanged him and his little sister her uh she's four years old this is a little bit heavy for me to be thrown on you but um so uh there's that there's that laugh that i, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why you're, you're making me smile while i'm telling this kid <laughs> so uh she's she's trying to pin it on 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 this eight-year-old and uh what they fit when they went down to the basement the kids are still alive and the mother did not try to help them out. She just goes up and calls 911. And when they come, she doesn't go, Lisa Snyder, she doesn't go downstairs with the paramedics. And they're like, holy shit, these kids are still alive. And they're like, they cut them down and they bring them back to life. And uh, unfortunately, they're, they're both brain dead and they're in cardiac arrest. And they both pass away three days later. Oh. And she is on Facebook, like, you know, pontificating or, or just like g gaining uh, empathy from people about her plight and her situation. And it's, it's horrific. This, this is going through, it's going to, this trial is going to come up, I hope shortly, but she's trying to get all the stuff thrown at a court where they talk about the dog. She thinks it hurts her character. And she also wants to get thrown out of court, <clears throat> her searches, her search history. Cause some of it is kind of sexual. Oh but, no, but, that's all in lady. <clears throat> But well, you know that is in what's in the search history is um, how to hang yourself. Uh, can you die from carbon monoxide poisoning from like um, a hybrid vehicle? Uh, they're all searches about how to how to how to like hang yourself and kill yourself leading right up to the day. So she's dead to rights. But 
Um, it's a really so that's an example of a story where it's obviously infuriating to hear that this happened. It's it's sad and it's 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 terrible. And I really go far with a, with it a lot, but it's it's open ended, so I leave it open ended. Yeah. This woman could possibly get off here. She won't. She could. She won't. I find sounds it like she did with the dog. Uh, yeah, she okay. did. So, yeah, I need to like take a shower now. Um, what I find interesting is that she drove a hybrid, oh. and on some level was like, you know, I want to do something good for the planet. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's all phony. Because, like, um, I don't know if you've covered the Gabby Petito case at all. Yeah, um, I haven't covered it, but I've been uh, paying attention to it. How can't you? A beautiful young young uh, white girl, right? So one thing I've noticed about uh, Bri Brian Laundry, No, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> there's stuff to be said about that, believe me. Um, I, I think people do have a point in bringing up that, like, hey, we've got thousands of indigenous girls go missing every year. And nobody talks about it. But, but it is it is a compelling case. It really but it's is. a compelling case. Um, one thing I've noticed about Brian Laundry, who is her uh, fiance, boyfriend, potential murderer. We don't know the whole thing yet. He totally did it. But um, totally. Uh, he has his entire Instagram is all about how people are so selfish and they, um, you know, they use plastic water bottles and packaged food and all these people are so terrible for the earth and they're not going to leave a good legacy behind them. And it's like, well, yeah, I might use plastic water bottles, but I didn't murder my 22 year old fiance in the woods uh -huh. because I was jealous of her Instagram career. Yeah. But you go on and talk about how bad everybody else is. And so I do find that there's like this nature in people that like they see themselves as wonderful. They see themselves as like purveyors of goodness and they're the worst. So Narcissist. whenever someone narcissist, so whenever someone wants to lecture me about like, you know, driving, you know, an SUV or using a plastic water bottle, I'm like, yeah, who have you got buried in your backyard, buddy? Like, <laughs> uh -huh. what are you trying to hide? <laughs> right, right. Smoke screen. Are you going, are you planning to do an episode about the Gabby Petito case? Mm. Oh, no. no, 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 Okay. I Is it too it. on the, on the radar? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's talking right. about it. They'll, they'll, they'll figure it out, but it's not just that it's, I mean, for me, if, if right now it's an unsolved case and there's not enough there because I do a lot like with that case, I just told you, and I'm not going to put you through anything else with that, uh, <laughs> Jessica. Cam seems to be enjoying it. Can't see his hands, but like <laughs> the, the I'm um, not Jeff Tubin. So <laughs> I just I emote like you just roll with it. Ignore what me, I, you know. Like <laughs> what I want. What I want to say about that though is what compelled me to that case. You would think there was a ton of things that I just talked about that compel could, could compel me to write a story about that and perform it through podcasting. What it was though, was that their house was surrounded by a cornfield mm -hmm. and it's around Halloween time. And I got to talk about the stalks of corn and how they were trying to whisper to the investigators. So they showed up to the dead silent house that had a slanted roof, like a gray fedora trying to hide what was going on inside of it. These are the things that I focus on. So like right. the ears of corn, like we're all ears, right? Mm -hmm. And we're hearing everything. And, you know, I wish the kids would come out here so we could shelter them. And I'm speaking from the perspective of the cornfield, which is the only witness to what's truly going on in this house. And that's what draws me to, to a particular story um, right. is being able to flex some kind of fictitious bones that I have in, or, or chops that I'm hoping to develop over my career or Lit whatever. I think maybe literary Yes, thank you. Like, right, right. As opposed to fictitious, because you are telling tr true stories. Yeah. 
Um, so I think maybe liter literary flair. Like um, in one episode, you described how we're on a uh, sp our earthly spaceship. Yeah. And I really liked that imagery. I found it very po poignant. And I do like the way you sprinkle imagery like that into your storytelling. Thank you. Uh, thanks for I actually stole that from Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan said that we're on an, an organic spaceship hurtling through infinite space. So I stole that yeah. from Joe Rogan. Shout out to him if he's listening. Yeah. <laughs> I we wish Joe Rogan was listening. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, I have a question because, you know, like I when I did my stories, they were like the government kind of did some bad shit. Right. And so when you're writing these stories and researching these stories, how often do you go? These people are really shit at their job. Oh, all the time, especially in the 70s and like the 60s. They were hiring morons, grunts out of uh, Vietnam just because they were big and strong. They weren't hiring them for their intelligence. They were hiring them because they could beat people up in the streets and, and intimidate them into confessions. And 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 and, and that's so part of it. You need to be that as a cop in that time. You see what New York was like. Uh, there's that yes. documentary, the, the Seven Nine or whatever it was called. I forget what it was called. But um, Nine Nine. No, that's not the one. <laughs> but uh, you need those guys, right? And there are a bunch of yeah. lunks, and they made a lot of mistakes. And uh, mm -hmm. because I cover a lot of like older crimes, because to be, I mean, people would maybe not believe this, but I am very sensitive to to the people that that I'm talking about. I mean, I'm okay with going a little bit far with victims and and making certain not jokes, but making light of particular situations if I really feel like that thing is past, if it's mm -hmm. gone. But if they're still alive and there's a chance that they could still hear it, I, I'm I'm pretty sensitive to that, and I don't like to I, get into it. I don't necessarily think I've ever found in that like the six or so episodes that I listened to that you were ever unempathetic, even in parts where you did find humor in what was going on i don't i never got the sense of um lack of empathy there, no i try so. not to even if yeah. i did even if i did slip um i try to make i try, definitely try to make up for it because it's no. not my intention Th there are podcasts and they'll they'll claim that they they don't do this but i mean the you do have some idiots just making podcasts like i don't think that humor should become first when mm -hmm. it comes to mm -hmm. true crime and there are a lot of podcasts where they put the humor first. And last podcast on the left is what, but I enjoy that podcast, right? Um, I think that the humor should be sprinkled in, in the spirit of, um, you know, lightening things up when it's necessary. Yeah. Well, there is I'm, such I'm a concept a... as yeah, gallows was... humor is all mm. I was going to say that, that gallows humor uh, keeps us from wanting to throw ourselves off of the building when things are at their very darkest. So, I mean, I, there's a space for that. Yep. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say, I'm a, I'm a true believer in dark humor because, you know, when my dad died two years ago, that was how I coped. It's like, I think that there's an importance in uh, stealing the power away from horrible things. I agree. By making them funny, by laughing at them. I think that there's too much that we let control us that we could very easily make, make fun of. I agree. In, in some sense. My my uh, one of my best friends, his dad died of a heart attack, and there was another girl whose dad had died of um, lung cancer. So when we'd smoke cigarettes around her, she would like smack them under our hands and all that, and he would go, "Whoa, when you eat a cheeseburger, I'm not smacking that out of your hand, right?" Like he he was he was like that about it, and I, that always kind of stuck with me. It's it's like just you you have to still be able to navigate the world after something like that happened to you and be self-deprecating about it it does it absolutely like cam what you were saying it does yeah. definitely make it easier yeah. 
it's healing. I, I would say like it, like my ability, like my, 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 the rest of my family was not where I was when my dad died. Like I, I for one, he had kind of left well before he died. If that like, kind of talked about that earlier, working in nursing mm -hmm. homes and stuff like mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. the dude wasn't who he was for a while before. And so like, I had kind of come to the place of knowing that my dad was dead. And so when I came to this final moment, I was making jokes and they hadn't had that realization and that was their realization. Mm -hmm. And so there was the wailing and the, all the stuff that, that I just couldn't wrap my head around because I had already accepted this two years before. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You'd already processed it. And now you're, yeah, you're trying yeah. to share the wealth a little bit there. I get it. But there, there are, there are certain things that people do around me have joked about in the past and I'll joke about anything. But like um, Adam Lanza, that school shooting, and yeah. I can't remember oh, yeah. the school. When that happened, there was people around me making jokes about kids dying, and I couldn't take it. I mean, I lost a friend because of it. It was it's it's like, dude, we that's I, I can't I can't handle that. There's, there's somebody went in that school and shot a bunch of like one year olds when they were cowering behind their teacher. Like, there's nothing mm -hmm. funny about that to me. Still, there's nothing funny about that to me. Uh, there, there definitely is a line, but it's was a no. You're the one that looked extremely crazy, or is that yeah. the the Colorado one? He they was the teacher's did. son, um, and he was yep. very gaunt, very very gaunt. I remember that about him. And um, it's a know your audience kind of thing because sure. they're is a group of people you can make those jokes around and then a group of people that you absolutely shouldn't. And people don't seem to be able to delineate that these days. No, I think that it's important though in society and your friendships and relationships, whatever else to not be too apathetic about any one thing. Like I could easily just let my friends get away with that. And, but then you become that in, in a certain way. That's something I've, I've realized along the path of life too, is that if something feels wrong to you, you need to express it. I mean, it's kind of like your duty um, as a human being to change yeah. the wavelengths of other people's thought process. When someone says something to me like that hurt my feelings, that hurts me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, God, and I, I rethink that in, in, in the future. I mean, um, somebody's picking on somebody else in front of me, a younger kid. When I was when I was younger, I'd always think about my brother. I'd be like, that could be my brother. That could be my little brother. You know, fucking stop yeah. doing that. So uh, society... Ha has like say you're on a bus and some dude's playing his music really loud a lot of people will turn their heads away from it and act like it's not happening because they don't want to have the confrontation i've been mm -hmm. in situations where i'm like hey man nobody wants to hear that shit nobody wants to hear put put some headphones in and then the guy will stand up what are you going to do about it i look around i know everybody else is being bothered by this too and they all turn their heads away Mm -hmm. And then when I step up and do something about it and we like almost get in this fight and they stop the bus and they kick us off or whatever, everyone's looking at me. This is my experience a couple of times that I should have kept my mouth shut. And that's that mindset. There's, there's a lot of cowards in society who guise themselves as the type of people that just don't want to cause any waves or don't want any trouble. I mean, and, and to me, it's just cowards. Yeah. Like, sorry, uh, to, to, sorry, Jessica, to, to, no, put my right. point, to put my point home. So say you go into like a 7-Eleven and all of your friends are stealing and you don't steal and mm -hmm. you leave, but then you eat the candy. Were you um, a morally righteous person in that situation or were you just a coward? You were a coward. You would have been so better the, off stealing. 
the court system would call that theft by taking or receiving stolen goods. So it's definitely, you know, on some level of crime. Mm. Um, what you were talking about earlier um, about social media actually, I think, ties into what you're saying, too. Because we look at these screens and we have these interactions through these screens and we don't see each other's faces when we do. Right. We don't see each other's eyes. And so when we dunk on someone or say something, you know, pretty mean to someone, we don't see their face kind of crunch up for them, like having to emotionally deal with the impact of our words. Right. And so it, it gives people sort of this uh, 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 bravery to act in ways that they would never act face to face. Right. And, you know, a lot of the people who would cower and turn away, and I don't want any problems here, unleash themselves in, yep. in social media um, areas. And I've been trying to rein myself in in that department and saying, you know, would I say this to another human being if I were looking them in the face? I don't think that I would. I and, and so if I wouldn't do that, I'm not going to say it on on Twitter, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do think that they're like when you, you're talking about calling out the bad and calling out what shouldn't happen, what is antithetical to at least your moral stance, if not morality as a whole. I think that that's also important on social media. It's like, you know, yeah, you maybe you don't want to go out and hurt individuals, but being there, you have it like you, you have this unprecedented moment in history where when a journalist or a politician or anyone can say some stuff that's clearly wrong, evil, misinformation, whatever. And you can shoot criticism, hot, fiery criticism right back in their face. And you know, they're going to read it because they're narcissists and they have to read it because they they get off on it. (laughs) So I think that there's this wonderful um, chance that we have to call evil out when we see it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, you know, you don't want to hurt the little guy. But if there's some big guys doing some bad shit, hurt them. Uh, now, I to be clear, I said person. I'm not sure that I would place some of these politicians in that category. Yeah, of person. So, <laughs> go nuts. Yeah. I think I think that people people are putting too much like weight into what politicians are doing and all that that in in yes. in the world lately. But but by putting that weight into it, it becomes weight, mm-hmm. and like. I, I, a lot of people believe that the world is worse off than it's ever been and stupid. You have a cell phone in your pocket. You got a flat screen that costs you 300 bucks on your wall. Like you're, you're fine. Yeah. Like we're way better off than anyone else has been in history. It, it kills me when someone says, um, I don't want to get into this. I'm sure you don't either, but like, um, like an anti-vaxxer will say, uh, we're being treated like, uh, the Jews were in the Holocaust. <laughs> it's like, Hey man, yeah, hey, I don't like get in a time machine. Get yeah. in the time machine. It's nothing like that. I mean, everything kind of gets exaggerated. We've we've lost touch in a lot of ways with with reality when it comes to um, what we're uh, absorbing when, when we're online or what we're putting out there when we're online. And I think that actually it's it's better than it's ever been. It just seems yeah. worse because you're getting news sources from all kinds of angles, and it goes to what we were talking about earlier with like the news wants to stimulate you with um with negative stuff we we have a tendency to be stimulated by it as human beings so you were talking about Anne rice earlier and her ability to uh, world create yeah. and there was a 
a, a thing that she wrote that affected me so deeply that I read it 20 years ago and I still think about it today. And in the story, one of her vampire characters had been underground for 100 years. And then the 80s happened. Everything got suddenly very loud and it made this vampire sort of rise out of the That's ground. That's so cool. Yeah. And he was standing in a drugstore in an aisle looking at the bottles of shampoo and all the different colors of the bottles of shampoo. And he said it was more beautiful than any cathedral he had ever stood in. And he stood there and wept at the beauty of it. Yeah. And I thought, God, what to a person who, you know, clean running water, light at night, just the availability, like this, if you go into a Walmart, there are piles of fresh produce just everywhere. We're doing all right. You know, how could you not weep at the magnitude of near paradise we have as compared to human beings that lived just 200 years ago? And I think perception, we need some perspective on that for sure. I agree. Not to mention that if you look over like the last 20 years, 30 years, you'll see that violent crime and gun deaths have gone down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything's going down. But if you listen to the news, you think it's all going up and this is oh, the yeah. worst time in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, dude. It's not. We're good. We're good. They, they made weed, made weed legal most places. Are you smoking weed there, Cam? You look like the type. No, of I movie. just. Okay. I, I, I uh, <laughs> here's here's the thing. It's so funny because he's not. <laughs> well, because and I, I have tried it a few times. I have the unfortunate situation where it, it screws my my inner ears. So, like, if oh. I smoke too much, I throw up. Okay. And so I just don't. I mean, I have a little Delta 8 deal over here, but I don't, I don't Whereas touch it because I'm going to throw it I up. am a right massive on. pothead. Oh, right <laughs> Yeah. And most people tell me that they can't imagine that I would do that. And I think that's hilarious because Cam <laughs> looks like look he would. Like right, right. Cam's so. got a different different condition going on with his marijuana use, but I think the fact that you can handle it the way that you're saying you can handle it, uh, Jessica, is it says something about your um, character. To me, people that get super ultra paranoid, when because I thought Cam was going to say this, I can't handle it because it makes me too paranoid. For me, what marijuana, my experience with it, is what it does is it makes you look at yourself. It makes it's it's a plant from the earth, and there's something magical about it. Same with magic mushrooms. And it, uh, DMT, you name it, right? But it 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 turns you on yourself. And if you like who you are, and you're okay with your with your decisions in life, and you're happy with what's going on around you, you're going to celebrate that. And that's why marijuana is so great when you're like 15 years old because you haven't made enough mistakes yet. But if you're like yeah. a 35 <laughs> year old who raped five women when you were 22, I mean, that's going to turn on you, you know. Right, and that's right. the position I'm in. That's why I can't smoke marijuana. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, so. I, I did want to say when I, I smoke talk a lot, about, Jessica. We're good. We're good. I smoke a lot. I do want to say when I'm talking about throwing stuff at uh, politicians on Twitter and stuff, I mean mocking them. I mean, mm. I'm not talking about like, oh, this is evil. You are doing wrong. I mean, just no. You should th- throw things at them. them. I'm cool with that. Like <laughs> there, there was there was one. I won't I won't name names, but there was one that I hit. That's like a big name, huh. and she immediately blocked me. Condoleezza so Rice. It was. <laughs> Remember it was Condoleezza Rice? Oh my God. It was John McCain's daughter. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, so, I remember that. This is and so, so bad yeah. or so funny, depending on your perspective. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, she read it. <laughs> she read it. My. Uh, I know she read it. Yeah. My brother 
What, who do you get the attention of? My brother does a podcast called Excuse Me, That's Illegal. Uh, softcore crimes. A hardcore look at softcore crimes. It's really good if people, if you listen to check it out. But uh, he reached out to, when I, I was first coming out with Dark Topic, he kept on like <laughs> adding Stephen King. Like, hey, Stephen King, my boy, my boy, my bro's got a new podcast. You got to check it out. And then he was going at uh, Tom Hanks. And then he went at his son. I think his name's Colin Hanks. Colin? Yeah, mm-hmm. and he kept on going at him, and Colin Hanks blocked my brother because he was he was spamming him too much with the with the. It's always the best when one of those it's not people... white boy summer for him. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's yeah, boy. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. No. Um. I actually quit smoking weed a couple of months ago because it had gotten to a point where I was pretty much smoking from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed. And I'm not saying that I will never smoke again, just it was kind of taking over control of my life to the point where if I knew I couldn't get any, I would have like anxiety attacks and things like that. So I thought, okay, this is a dependence at this point. So I know that people say that like weed is not addictive, but it can become personally addictive. Oh no, totally. Right. You you become dependent on it, and which is a form of addiction in my opinion, if you're dependent on something, right? Right, right. So I definitely um, needed to detach. Like I was becoming like having a codependent relationship with Mary Jane and uh, needed to detach. And um, what I found out is that I'm not I don't have like brain farts because I smoke weed. I just naturally like leave my brain at times. And I was like, oh, that's not because of drugs awesome now i know that about myself so <laughs> i can no longer blame that on the weed it's just like no sometimes you're just dumb <laughs> i can't tell you how many times we're recording this show and i have like a joke or some point i have to make and i have to write things down because hmm. otherwise i can even get midway through what i'm saying and just lose it like you know I was saying something <laughs> uh that's my biggest fear man and that's why I'm so happy to have a podcast where I pre-record it. Like even coming on here, I had anxiety because I was like, what if exactly what you just said? What if that happens to me where I'm in the middle of, and you know what I've come to think that that is, um, not, and, and it almost has happened to me right now because I'm talking about it yeah. <laughs> is, um, oh my God, it actually is happening to me because I no, thought it's okay. It. And that's, you know, we try to keep it real free form. Like oh, we're it's confidence. Yeah, it's com- we're having a conversation. It's it's, yeah. it's confidence. It's a lack of confidence. So see right there, as soon as I deaded myself and put myself in that mind space where like I could possibly lose my train of thought and marijuana might do that to you, right? Where you kind of gap, where you're like, yeah. oh, and you start overthinking something like that. It's like, what was I talking about? As soon as you say to yourself, what was I talking about? Now you're Over. thinking about what, it, <laughs> what <laughs> you just lost, right? So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I never... Um, I was not used to going live when Cam started to have me on as a guest. <laughs> and I was terrified before every single episode, I would have mountains of anxiety. Like, oh my God, what if I just go blank? What if I can't think of anything to say? And so one of the ways we try to avoid that with this show is we're just having a conversation. Yeah. It's not you know, necessarily, you don't have to be on point about anything because yeah. we're just talking. And also, yeah, so- gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know if I trust you, bro. <laughs> well, you know, you probably yet. shouldn't. <laughs> well, that's a, that's, except that's the thing. except like, I, that one time you took those edibles and you dude. left your body and totally left me hanging, and I don't know where all the buttons are. So <laughs> we have that episode is only on our Patreon. Oh, cool. Um, and it's because I thought it would be really funny to take like 
one edible at the beginning of the show and then see myself deteriorate over the <laughs> length of the show. I just thought that'd be funny. That's not nice. so, the right word. So uh, Jessica goes, go ahead and try one the night before. And then I tried one and it didn't do much like all night. And I was like, okay, I'll try one and a half or two. <laughs> and I, I did that, that, and Let I, get this comment. I was unable to think. <laughs> I, I left. I can't do it, man. I can't do the edibles. It processes different through your body, right? Through your yes. liver or something. Yep. Um, I can't do it. It's, it's like being, a. It's like being on a hallucinogen for me. I, I once ate um, accidentally a half ounce of marijuana eating brownies. And I went to the bathroom and I swear to you, I saw a tenemy standing in the bathroom when I looked into the mirror and I just turned around. I was like, fuck. I was like, oh, yeah, I had to piss. And I was like, Am I gonna, did, did, I, did I just piss my pants? And then I'm like, oh, I can't go back to the bathroom because I just saw me go to the bathroom. I think, I think I have the shits. So, hey, guys, I got to go. And then I like, leave. I think piss on a fire hydrant. The funniest <laughs> part of that situation was just I was gone, but Jessica would say, Hey, we need to do this part, and I would just pop up and do it perfectly and then leave again. There you <laughs> go. just needed a guide to walk him through. <laughs> yes. And yes. like what you were like, saying about this. what you're saying about like mushrooms and DMT having like an ability to connect us to more spiritual experiences, more spiritual realms. I do think that that's true. Um, I think stuff like that gets overused and glorified as yeah. entertainment when it during the Viking times or even like the Native American times to take mushrooms was to walk with the gods. Mm -hmm. There was not something you took lightly as something to party with. Like you I were going to, yeah, you were going to get shown the truth of the world by taking the mushrooms. And so it was not something to do lightly. And so um, I, I had my mushroom experience at a reggae festival and it was out in the woods. I think it was the perfect environment because I laid down flat and on the earth and I like dug my fingers deep into the earth mm -hmm. and I could just feel, I don't, I want to call it like energy or vibration just yep. coming through the tips of my fingers. Cool. And I'm a person who's, I'm very indoorsy <laughs> and I'm not, I, I would be terrified of bugs normally in a, in a scenario like that. But the mushrooms were able to put me into such a mind state that I was actually like digging my arms and my fingers down into people were asking me, what are you doing? And I said, I am communing with my mother. There you go. And it, that was a spirit, like a spiritual like experience for me. Very and so cool. I just, if anybody out there feels like they want to do mushrooms, one, be in a safe environment with people that you trust, same yep. thing with DMT, and recognize that you're not doing something like for party or for fun. You're walking with the gods. You Have are. respect and reverence for what you're about to do because, you know. I agree, Jessica. Uh, one time I was I was with, a, with, a, with just one other friend when we were doing mushrooms and we were by this creek. And I know this creek to be this dirty-ass creek where hobos piss in it and they sleep underneath this bridge. We're right by it. It's just a disgusting creek. And we're by it. It just looks so beautiful. And he dug his hands in the dirt and he picked it up and he goes, dirt doesn't even seem dirty anymore, man. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, hey, did you realize that the earth is like 80% water and like 20% land mass and our bodies are the exact same way, man. And I was yeah. like, dude, that it is our mother. Do you, do you know what I learned <laughs> the other day? It birthed it us. Absolutely <laughs> horrifying. I, I saw a TikTok the other day where a guy was explaining how we know um, 
that our bodies are 70% water or whatever. Uh, oh my do god, you, do, I remember. Do you, do you know how they how they found this out? No. It was like in World War II. It was like a Japanese scientist and he took people and he put them in convection ov- ovens and weighed <laughs> them before and after. Wow. That's science. Wow. And so he was supposed to be like thrown in prison or something. And he got away with it because they were able to use that science and other things they learned from their horrible experiments. Oh, my God. I don't want to get into this whole conversation with you, Cam. But that's that's interesting, man. Do you know how many of the Nazi scientists did not get persecuted for their crimes because the U.S. government gave them passage to come over and work for our rocketry programs? You guys should Google Operation Paperclip. And also you want to look for the scars on the, uh, oh, sorry, the left cheek because that was something they would get into these, um, what am I trying to say, Uh, dueling matches. And it was considered a rite of passage for these these, uh, Nazi youth to have uh-huh. these scars on their cheeks. And you see all of the scientists in the 1950s at NASA have these cheek scars. And it's basically because they came from Nazi Germany and they were given a pass to come over and basically beef up the U.S. rocketry programs. That's amazing. So, it's that invention is the mother of necessity, I think that's, that's the saying. Ne- necessity is the mother of invention. Necessity is the mother right, of right. <laughs> Yeah, I just smoked a... No, that was a cigarette. It wasn't marijuana, so I have no it was excuse. A cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Werner von Braun, Nazi that ran NASA. Like it's 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 incredible. The the people we were like, no, you, you did. Yeah, I'm I'm. I don't think Joseph Mengele made it over, but I wouldn't have been surprised if he did. They had to hang some of them, but they didn't hang all of them, and that's all I'm saying about that. I think Mengele made it over. It was like Argentina. A bunch of them went to South America or something like that, and there's like this village. I think this could be conspiracy theory, and this could be all total bullshit, and I'm sure a lot of people listening know about this. there are a lot of Germans in Argentina. Well, they they checked their lineage, and there's like a village there where they all kind of hung out, and they they were exported to after the shit went down, after they were taken down. But Mm -hmm. yeah, anyways... That's the conversation I didn't want to get into. And then you guys went full full force on it. Oh, it's, it's awesome. The mad ones. It is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's awesome and like the like it, it inspires awe that they had the the gall to go, hey, we need to we need to beat the Russians yeah. in creating stuff. So let's bring the Nazis over. Yeah, and man. Use them. Smart. An an uncomfortable thing that people don't want to, and see, now I'm going to go off on my little tangent here. An uncomfortable thing that people don't want to talk about is how much scientific discovery was done through absolute pure evil. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people got a pass for what they did because they did in some ways uplift the scientific knowledge of humanity, which is great and all, but we have this like sterilized version of science that it like comes from Star Trek, the next generation. And it's always done for the the good and advancement of mankind. And it was like, no, a lot of, we, we discovered a lot of things about the human body because of the horrible tortures that we put yeah. living human beings through. And, you know, again, we take things without reverence. Everything is so sterilized now that we don't understand like the mon, the mountains of, bodies that got piled into these things and we have no reverence for them and and i think that that's sad me too me too well i mean sorry sorry kim i didn't say something there but i mean all you got to do is you got to look at world war ii and the fallout from world war War ii wasn't so much fallout as it was just like a blossoming of science and of of um populations all around the world and Mm -hmm. just how much we had to discover 
um, through necessity, right? Because of the the wars that were, that, that were happening. Having to, mm-hmm. yeah, it was mm-hmm. like so much was was discovered in like healthcare field, in science, yep. in yep. military, whatever. I mean, you got fancy cars all of a sudden. They they understand engines better. It's just yep. incredible, right? And nothing forward science like war. No, it's incredible how much uh, war has forwarded the human and we're not just talking about world war ii you go no. back to like the ancient dynasties of china which is right. like basically right. the oldest living civilization and they were advancing the human condition through brute warfare and it's just something to know about our species and it, we sterilize so much again i'm going to go back to herb baumaster because i find sure. that episode to be really interesting okay. um he was a very clean cut guy Mm-hmm. Everything about that guy was sterile and proper. He's the kind of guy you'd have brought home. He's the kind of guy you'd have trusted to buy a car from. I mean, everything about him was clean. Yeah. And he was harboring the absolute worst evil. And I think that there's a metaphor there for the human condition. It's just something too clean. And there's also something very uh, interesting about certain serial killers like a Herb Baumeister where it's the intelligence factor. So they say mm-hmm. that like a lot of, a lot of serial killers are ultra intelligent. I mean, quite a few, I mean, there's some real dumbasses out there, but, but quite a few. Um, I think that's where the, like the inspiration, it was Thomas Harris with, with Hannibal and with Silence yeah. of the Lambs who wrote that the inspiration was, was for that. You I mean, you have this doctor who is kind of bored. And now he wants to, I don't know, taste what a human being tastes like. He also wants the thrill of the hunt. He also mm-hmm. wants to outsmart people. And 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 that's a bit of a draw as a male. I mean, we talked about the female aspect, and, and I'm sure it is for females as well. But um, as a male, like the, the, the thrill, and this is really fucked up, but like. Hit it. Of the hunt. Yes. Of, of everybody. Nobody knows what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. I'm the guy who could figure it out and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm 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 the watching your prey. Yes, I'm watching your movements. You know, I'm 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 finding the opportune time to go in and for the for that kill, and then I'm getting away with it. And there's some some kind of some adventurous aspect to the stories of serial killers that's compelling as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned eating flesh, and it made me think of Armin Mavis. I don't know how to Mavis. Uh, and that episode of Monstro that was like maybe the <laughs> hardest thing to listen to and the one of the better ways to listen to hard things. Right. And speaking of hard things, that's what he ate. <laughs> yeah. um, but like people flesh. Mm-hmm. He right. yes yes. There was a specific part that he he tried to munch down. Oh on. dear. That was very hard to listen to. Yeah, man. Um, very like it would be very fatty. I don't know. Grisly, yeah, but I think Gristle, it's more just yeah. about it's just more about like the experience, right? Like Which you just means like means I've thought about what a <laughs> would taste like. So have you, you ever thought about the fact that you can look at anything and you can automatically and kind of like perfectly imagine what it would feel like to lick it or to no. chew it? Like nah. it, look, just look at anything, and and if you imagine yeah. what it would be like to lick it, you can imagine that. Okay, sure. It's sure. weird. Tactile, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I don't know, but buddy. Did you did you write the the all the parts about when he was eating that? No, man. That was uh, that was uh, that was another guy that was working for Sword and Scale at the time. 
I'm blanking on his name right now. I got what brought onto that project. I no, I got I got brought onto that project when they had already written that episode, and that was what Mike Boudet used to kind of <laughs> draw me in with it. He played it for me. I met Mike. Mike was huge. He still is, yeah. right? Like millions of listeners People on on Instagram. I fucking hate him. Hate him. Oh, everybody hates Mike, and he loves it. If if you're if you're hated on Instagram, it means you're doing something right, probably. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's actually a saying. It was this guy in the military when I was going through this. I don't know what it was. Some training for some sales course, and he said, if they're shooting at you, you're doing something right. And and that's the uh, the case with Mike Boudet. Um, but anyways, he yeah he got a hold of me, and that was already written, and uh, I just performed it, and that was mm -hmm. kind of my my entry point to that there's another writer named tyler bell from the west side fairy tales who helped a lot with that as well but my main thing was just to kind of be on top of it add my little pieces that i thought made it a little bit more scarier a little bit more um less dry and more entertaining for the audience to hear uh <laughs> monster got it got pretty out of hand and people gave up on it pretty quick i i think a lot of people gave up on it it hit number one in the world in podcasts yeah. uh wow. for like two weeks and then uh, we just got crashed. Uh, we had like lawyers reaching out to us, like saying, like, you can't do this. You you know, you're glorifying this too much. And and um, really what we were just trying to do was get into the mind of a killer and, and tell the story from their point of view and um, make it like, you know, if you were a serial killer type who, who would enjoy listening to it, we just wanted to go there um, just to show um, how bad it is but um, in certain ways, maybe discover why it is. I think that's unfair, though, because like I don't even like to kill an insect if I don't have to. Mm -hmm. I'm all and about insects. Mm. I'm I, I find I find those stories very fascinating, and I, I I don't necessarily see that connection there. The audience I mean, did. It's got a three point yeah. two out of five stars, I think, on uh, oh, on, no. on the reviews, and it, it and fell apart. Let me tell you, I it have... was it was hard to listen to. Okay. I listened I'll to it. Take your word for it. But it was like I I was wondering how long it would last because I'm like most people aren't as desensitized to this kind of thing as I Jack have and wondered. I might, might be. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ever kill a human being to eat them. I'll just put that out there before I say this. You keep but making I, that disclaimer. I'm starting to not believe you. Me too. I've wondered what humans taste like. How could you not wonder that? I mean, I, I eat other animals. How could you say not veal. wonder? Veal, yeah, okay, yeah. I've heard pig. You pig, know, me too. It's, I mean, so like you hear stories about like the Donner Party, for mm -hmm. example, and you wonder. You got to wonder. I think that if I were starving like terribly starving and I go out to collect firewood and I come back and the others are cooking the legs of one of the, the proposed, I'd be like, Hey baby, we got a stew. I, <laughs> I, I think that th hunger changes your mind. Hey baby. In, in a, <laughs> baby, we got a stew, <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm not saying I would kill anyone to eat them, but if we're in an alive situation and you die before me, I'm going to eat your ass. And that's yeah. just the way that it like is. Jones. Like, like straight yeah. up. I will eat your ass. <laughs> yeah. That's the part I go for first too. I think that's what yeah. a lot of people agree on. Actually the calf uh, looks all right to me too. Yeah. You, you want, you want a mix of muscle and fat. Because yeah. too lean of muscle, it's not going to be very tasty, right? Like, I, my whole life has yeah. been dedicated to becoming a Wagyu human. 
so oh. that if I'm ever eaten, I'm delicious. <laughs> yeah. You look pretty delicious, man. Yeah. Gotta shave you first, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Very so one time, speaking of shaving, um, this one time I had a friend. Pork flavor. Um, <laughs> and she was hanging out with a group of Nigerian friends of ours. And they were like, hey, do you want to go out to eat? I didn't go, but my friend Andrea did. And she was like, yeah. Let, and she's like, you, you know, try out Nigerian food. And then he was like, she was like, yeah, let's do that. She went with them. They bought a live goat. Right. Oh, and shit. Apparently, to remove the hair, what they do is they, they get it. lighter fluid while yeah. the goat's still alive, apparently, in this, this particular case. Burnt the hair off, killed the animal, and ate yeah. it. And she was like, I'm not eating that. No. And I'm wow. like, wow, what a, what an experience. Yeah. You could probably write a true a true crime podcast. <laughs> oh, you could. You could. There's a guy named Steve Rinella. He's a hunter. Um, and he went to some jungle where they were eating monkey. And they, they killed the monkey. And then they threw it into the fire. And he said he had a hard time eating it because it looked like a child in that fire. <gasps> oh. oh, shit. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so Jack, you, you said you've had some pretty crazy life experiences, and I believe you. What is the strangest thing you have eaten? I've eaten uh, maybe a mushroom from my backyard, not being 100% <laughs> on it. How'd that work <clears throat> out for you? It was okay. But I mean, okay. just, just wondering, <laughs> you know, am I going to die <laughs> for that experience? Um, right. Other than that, I mean, I'll eat anything. Here's, here's my thing with food is if you like it, if you prepare it really well and you respect it, um, I'll eat it. I mean, yeah. unless we're like in some ghetto in some developing country where you guys have never eaten anything that great and you're going to serve me up something that has like a hoof in it and it's got a bunch of flies flying around, I right, might, right. Might, might hesitate on that and you think it's good. That's a little bit different. But I mean, when it comes to like cuisine or like an actual restaurant and they have something on the menu that somebody's going to put the effort into to make it, I'll, I'll eat anything. Right. Would, but so would you, here's, here's a question. I've asked Jessica this before. If I had the chance to eat bottlenose dolphin, I would. Hmm. Hmm. I would try that. I feel like yeah. it probably wouldn't be very good, but I would. Would you try bottlenose dolphin? If I was in like uh, an estate with a bunch of old men who were like part of some uh, some weird cult, and they had like uh, blood boys hooked up to them, and they're like, "Hey, man, you gotta try this bottlenose dolphin for sure, man, for sure, for sure." It depends. It depends on who's serving it. And who's, I will who's do what I have to do. do. I will only eat bottlenose dolphin if it's served by a blood boy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's um, my goal. I just one day for a guy to come up to me and be like, hey, I think you're the type of guy that we want to have around while we're smoking our cigars in this like mansion where we're telling all these secrets and all that stuff, man. I, oh, God. My life would be complete. Yeah. So I don't want to ask you what's your favorite murder or what's your favorite murderer. <laughs> But I do want to ask you either um, who, which of the well-known or less well-known serial killers do you find the most fascinating or at least the most interesting personalities? Because for me, interesting personalities, Pee Wee Gaskins. Oh, really? Yeah. That, no, that not for me. so strange. He is very like strange. Character. Yeah. Um, there's a guy I'd like to tell you about that's, but, but I'll, I'll tell you because we already talked about him and I won't go into too much about him. I'll say something quick about him. Um, BTK. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's the most um, intelligent guy, 
But what compels me with him is that he really, honest to God, felt like he was being compelled by some dark force, by the mm -hmm. factor, factor X. And I see it in his eyes. I see this darkness in his eyes. And I, I almost can believe that he actually was, and he was open to it. He allowed it in, and it consumed his life, and he, he was enthralled by it the entire process. He is the one serial killer where I feel like could possibly have been taken over by something, a dark entity, and talks about being taken over by a dark entity. Yeah. So he, he's very compelling to me for that reason, and he's still alive right now. He's in prison, Wichita, Isn't Kansas. Kemper's still alive, too? Kemper is, too. See, we're, we're, we're covering Kemper right now in a po our other podcast it's called True Crime Kent. We have 911 calls with the opera. We're covering Kemper in a three-parter right now, or Kent Chungus is. Um, so check that out. But um, no, Kemper, Kemper to me, I, I think I've just, just thought about and researched him too much. Uh, now I just kind of feel like he's a big, intelligent, but dummy. knows he's intelligent. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's a big, intelligent dummy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, ar arrogance and intelligence kind yeah. of swim in the same water. So the the more you get away with things, I think the more invincible you think that you are. And then it's going to cause you to get messy, to get, slip up. And I think that's how a lot of these guys get caught is they well, think they've got a handle on it. And so they fuck up. Yep. Kemper in particular is an, I think more or less a special case because he did all of his killings kind of, it was from what I remember kind of as analogs for his mother. Cause he, he hated mm -hmm. his mother and mm -hmm. his mother was a horrible woman. And so when he actually killed his mother and did unspeakable things to her head, after he cut it off, <laughs> he had nowhere else to go. He was done. He'd completed his mission. And so he just turned himself into the cops. Yes. He turned himself in both times he was arrested. He turned himself in, which is a big claim to fame for him. He was supposed to be, a, he wanted to be a police officer, but at that time he was too big. Uh, what yeah. did Kent, Kent was telling me he was going to be part of chips or something like that. Like the, uh, driving <laughs> yeah, the motorcycles. Wanted to, he wanted to be like Eric Estrada. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't? He's like six, eight, <laughs> he's 400 pounds. Uh, and he, yeah. he does audiobooks. He re in yeah. prison. He's read audiobooks. He's just this really Fuck strange me. character. He is. He is. So there was a, a Japanese fella that had killed and ate a girl in France. And I you know about this guy? Yeah, Isaiah um, Swaki or some shit. I forget. His he name. served his time, got out of because he was in college when he went in, and he was rather old when he came out. But he served his time, and he came out, moved back back to Japan, and then had a career as a food critic because mm. people wanted to know what the cannibal thought of their food, like straight up. And like he did his time, so there was that. And I was like, that it that fascinates me. I have a I I kind of follow around cannibal stories. So it again. Not a cannibal. She's so, she's so excited talking about eating people again. <laughs> yeah. Culinary interests me, and this is a this is like culinary gone off the map. But you're off. eating human being, you know, and that's why I think I like the Hannibal story quite a bit because um he ate a guy who was in the Philharmonic, who mm -hmm. what he thought was making the Philharmonic sound bad, and mm -hmm. his entire trip was eat the rude. So he would never just like willy nilly pick victims. He 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 picked people that he thought were genuinely like affecting the 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 performance reality, the, the something performance, that he loved, yeah, something that he loved, right? And so I, I think that is an interesting um, character. Yeah, me and, too. Yeah, I have one for you though. I do. If if we have uh, time, yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've heard yeah. this one, Kim or or Jessica. It's um, my favorite pop, my favorite episode of Dark Topic because I had a realization, uh, a genuine 
realization near the end. Although it has started to occur to me as I was just kind of finishing up and maybe it's a bit contrived, uh, my reaction to it. But um, so it was called the leg thing. And there was this killer. His name was uh, they, his nickname Bone Baker, Bone Breaker Joe Clark. And this is in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Uh, one of the weirdest places on earth, apparently. The the was it the PT Barnum Circus or something like that was was uh, started out there. I, I'm not sure if it's the right one, but anyways. So this guy had a fascination with breaking bones. He mm. was sexually aroused by the sound of breaking bones. Oh, and he would uh, should have been a chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, he should have been. Uh, and uh, so he would kidnap younger guys. The the main uh, victim of his that's well known as Thad Phillips, who ended up getting away from him. But he was so in Baraboo, Wisconsin, I think he had three victims and he would break their bones and then recast, like cast them, but not properly cast them. He would put these ace, I think they're ace bandages all over. And he liked the look of the cast afterwards. And he would like masturbate over it and stuff and just keep, keep them hostage and keep on breaking their bones. Come back. <laughs> look at Cam freaking having a great time. Eh? And, <laughs> but like flamingo it's, in their legs. It's so fucking absurd. <laughs> it's and just, weird, it's dude. rule 34, isn't it? Like if, so the, the compelling part about this whole thing is, and there's, there's a lot to it, but, just to kind of wrap it up as a uh, bone breaker used to do with their broken leg. Uh, he, he would, um, well, sorry, he got caught. So, so what I realized was that in Baraboo, Wisconsin, have you heard of a man mound? I know <laughs> you probably have heard of it in like some stupid sexual like Indian mounds. Yes. Okay. Like, okay. like these burial huge, mound. huge burial mounds where they have all yeah. the bones of like their, their people. And then they shape it into the form of like, maybe like it, it looks like a monster from uh, like a helicopter. It just looks like this long slender man's type figure with maybe like a crown with uh, thorns coming out of the top. So in mm -hmm. Baraboo, Wisconsin, they have one of these man mounds and the man mound ran in an area where they ended up cutting a highway through it. And to pay respect back to the, who are people they had plowed through, to make this highway they painted in white the legs onto the road so in this place baraboo wisconsin where bone breaker joe clark was doing this shit and recasting these people's legs there is a effigy or this man mound that has literal what looks like casts on his legs because of them desecrating this man mound and it occurred to me i'm like this is like a you know, it, it's like bad hoodoo in in, yeah. in the air in Baraboo, Wisconsin. And Look Joe at Clark, this thing. Oh Joe, my god! Joe Clark may have been affected in some way by this. You know, when they say when you break into a pyramid, you get cursed and all that kind of thing. Yeah, this might have happened to, to him. Anyways, that's the way that I spun it on my episode, and it was one of the creepier moments of in uh, for Dark Topic for me. This isn't like it, it's insult to injury, I think, to plow this highway through and then repaint the legs. Like cats. Yeah. Like, like we've bone breaker. We've broken your legs and yeah, cursed. This is cursed. <laughs> I want to uh, go there. Yeah. Just, well, you know, if you, if you ever come down to Florida, yep. feel, feel free to hit, hit me up. We can. Okay, can go and, and talk and drink and stuff. I would love um, to. Um, but I was going to ask you a few. Uh, one of the uh, listeners, Ralph, 
asked me to ask you, uh-huh. uh, what do you, it, it's a cryptid question, I guess, kind of generally, how do you feel and what do you think about cryptids? In particular, he was curious about your thoughts on Bigfoot. I don't think that Bigfoot's a real deal, man. Although, it, and this is way far out, but there are people that believe that it has some connection to like u- u- ufology, right? That it has something to do with some kind of like parallel dimension mm-hmm. where it's like creatures that are kind of slipping in and slipping out. Because if you think about it, and I'm not telling Ralph anything he doesn't know, yeah. where are the graves? I mean, where are the bodies? Where are the bones? We're finding dinosaur bones. We can't find the bones of a thing that is apparently walking around all the time. We can't find where it lives. I mean, it, it, there's there's no real evidence. They got the casts and all that stuff, but those those things are easily mimicked. I mean, you you can you can you can do that. But um, my my and, and you got the guys who say that the 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 uh, trees are being uprooted and they're upside down. They're they're putting up like Blair Witch effigies so so that they can see where they are in the woods and all that kind of stuff. That's pretty interesting to me because some of that stuff doesn't look like a human being would be motivated to do that as far out as as some of that stuff exists but in the end i'll, I'll say I, I i don't think that uh bigfoot exists man but maybe on some strange interdimensional well, situation next week we're actually um <clears throat> talking about interdimensional beings that's going to be what that episode's about cool man. um so we're that's because we did a spooky um october and so we started with true you and true crime and then next week it's uh, interdimensional beings. Week after that, we've got an, an, an exorcist that performs no exorcisms that we're going to talk to. And oh, then uh, the last one is a guy uh, who's going to talk about the concept of hell because he believes that the Christian concept of hell is wrong. Wow. I just wrote a short story about hell and not to make it about me again. But I mean, what, what, do, what do you guys do? You guys believe in hell? Um, well, I, I, I actually agree with this guy's take on it. Um, okay. Because, you know, I, I am Christian, but I, it's a conditional immor- immortality. So it's the idea that hell isn't an eternal state. It's I don't think... Death. I don't think humans go to hell. I think evil goes to hell. Huh. And there's nothing about God or Jesus that suggests to me that he would send human beings to eternal torture because, oh, you picked the wrong religion. You know, and... Uh, that just doesn't this doesn't seem very Jesusy to me. No, <laughs> my idea of hell would be repetition. Uh, what are they? You know, it just just having to redo and redo um, reincarnation uh, yeah. is maybe a form of of hell. Like you have to keep coming back until you get it right. Yeah. Um, the short story I wrote recently had had it, the idea that this man had lit a school on fire and all the kids had died inside of it, and he worked at the gas station. And continuously, he keeps on getting as close to the darkness as the dusk. And then the kids come. And it's always Halloween. It's a Halloween story because he did this on Halloween. And they always come out of the shadows and they're a trick or treat. And he's always like, trick. He's too afraid to say treat. And But but the repetition, the idea of continuously having this Groundhog Day where it comes back again. It comes back yeah. again. Like uh, Ed Kemper, he continuously has to be driving along that road, get picked up, and then something horrible happens to him and he continues. And then you escape that hell by truly having remorse for what you did through the experiences that are being imposed upon you that reflect your your crimes is, is kind of my idea of it. I hope so. It's yeah. funny that you bring up, um, sorry, Groundhog Day, because I when I watch that movie, I think about like how many eons he must have been trapped in that world. 
and that it was very much a hell. And how many times did he just murder everyone in the town? Yeah, you I know? would like, like to see that one. Yeah. It was never, it wasn't zero. That's all. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But like the way you're talking about it uh, reminds me, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Great Divorce. And his concept was that hell is self-imposed. And so what hell is, it's like, you know, I think he may have mentioned Hitler. It's been a while since I've read it. But these are people who are living in a drab, boring life forever. And it's not reincarnation, but the idea is that you know, they can get out of hell whenever they want to. They just have to make the choice to do so and to mm -hmm. give up that thing that they value more than staying in hell. It makes sense to me, man. I think that there's hell in life for a lot of things, too. I mean, uh, the only way you find peace in your life is acceptance for almost always i mean acceptance of your limitations uh acceptance uh or forgiveness in in certain situations too um it always comes down to just some kind of like humble act yeah right? i think that especially in this life there's a lot of acceptance of responsibility that's missed and that's why people end up in a living hell yeah man they get stuck they're not because they're not they, they they have the responsibility to do something or the ability to do something and they don't so i mean i think that's very apt yeah man you see a lot of people who um make their identity uh based on their political affiliation or the baseball team that they care about and and this is all just ignoring the issues in their own life and making it about something that they believe is like larger than themselves. And that I don't. Who cares about my own shit? I mean, this is what I'm focused on. This is right, and you're wrong, and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And it's and, and forget all that shit. You got to look at yourself, yeah. and you you be freed of the whole thing. But uh, and that's a hell, like you're saying. That's that is a living hell. Well, and that's and that's one of those things that we've lived through Jessica and I, because oh, back in the day, this was a show that was before Jessica. It was a show that was very um, news fe featured a lot of news and then it featured some political stuff. And then several months ago we were like, we're not doing this anymore. We're, we're going to talk it's about boring. what we want to talk about because and one of the reasons was one, I want to talk to Jack at some point <laughs> Two, um, there's a guy named Shannon Ainsley who's coming at the last week of November who is the only person to ever have a double great white shark attack happen wow. on camera. Oh, cool. And so we're going to, and I was like, how could I fit this into this old show? That's I awesome. Couldn't. No, you can't. And I want to so, talk about that. So you freed yourself, man. That was a hell yeah. that you put yourself in right that's there. Right. I'm that's right. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like right now I'm way freer than I was a year ago. Dude, that's, that's why I called my pot and I'm still in this kind of hell with dark topic, but I mean, that's why I called it dark topic because it was not I, initially it was going to be, total institution and i was going to do just institutions i was going to focus on psych psychiatric wards but that would have been too restrictive so dark mm -hmm. topic is completely open i could talk about whatever i want to um although i haven't quite gotten there yet but i will but no i get it man i'm glad glad that you figured that out that's smart oh, it's i mean it's it's great and i i like i it was one of those uh things that like there are these little there are, and i do think there are little things that you can do that are almost symbolic that are that don't matter to anyone but you. But like on on Twitter, I changed my um, 
my bio and at the very end it says anti-political <laughs> and it's nothing it's it's a couple of words on a screen mm -hmm. but for me that was me letting everyone know i'm not doing your bullshit anymore good man. good good it's it's better it's better it is it's uh, so my, much better i i've 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 had a sick view for a long time that's close to what you're trying to achieve there with what, what you're talking about but it was like um shrink your world find find the people around you that you really enjoy being around and shrink it and just focus on those people and enjoy the time that you have with them but i mean right. it, it, you you do need to leave yourself open for like for for new experiences as as, yeah. as well right the, the way that i'm headed in my life is like i do want to get a little bit further into the woods I do want to, but it's not so much about getting away from society. It's more like meeting nature. It's more yes. like getting getting back to that, right? And 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 I think that my experiences, if I get out into that, then I'll have a lot more patience and a lot more <sighs> patience for for people yeah. when I go back and in, into the cities and society and all that kind of stuff. So, do you know how often the monastics would go into the desert or into the woods to find their peace? Cool. And it wasn't necessarily about getting away from other human beings. It was about going out there to meet yourself. Reset, and, reset in yeah. a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the, like when it come, came to the anti-political thing, it was most people are trying to tend to the globe when they're not tending to their own garden. <laughs> and I think that it's very important. My garden is, believe it or not, Jack, I have five children. Oh my God, man. I, yeah. I, I feel bad for not asking you. Yeah, like, I, have, I have five. five? Yeah. Wait, all, what, what's, what's your cult's name, bro? <laughs> we're, we're, the, we're the Branch Camdivians. <laughs> you had a name. Um, I love that. <laughs> but like that's that's something that I think a lot of people need to reconsider is, yes, it's, it's good to care about these things that happen to other people. It's good to care about these things that happen in a big way. But if you're not taking care of what's most important to you and, and instead you're doing these other things, yeah, what man. are you doing? Right. Right. What the right. hell are you doing? Well, I mean, it's very simple to say too, uh, to dovetail off of that. I mean, if you're not taking care of yourself, you, you can't take care of anybody else either. I mean, everybody knows this, but I, I, I want to actually do it. And I want to yeah. kind of show my kids, like I have two kids, not five. I'm not a maniac. Get on it, man. <laughs> I like I, my wife. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> you did it five times. I only got two, man. It sucks. Yeah, but I mean, I, mean, I have I, proof that I had sex. Five you times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five whole times. Yeah, five whole times. But I, I want them to grow up in a, in a situation where they have an appreciation for for nature and 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 have certain experiences that they wouldn't have in a city. But then at the same time, um, take trips into into that city and and mm -hmm. spend some time there. So you know, most people who take a vacation, they go to that all you can eat buffet with all those pigs who are like trying to butt in front of each other and oh, the pizza's fresh douche. And and like that is not a vacation to me. Disneyland's yeah. not a vacation to me. No. I, I would I would prefer the vacation to be like a trip into society. And here's a homeless person. Here's a nice restaurant. You know, like that. That's let's do it that way. And that's that's have a real experience rather than this fabricated vacation bullshit experience that a lot of people go for. Yeah, I think having I think worked. I was gonna say having worked in an all-you-can-eat place, which I have. Um, you see a different side of humanity when Pigs. there are no limitations. Oh, yeah. I, I hated it. I only went once. I hated it. I couldn't believe how selfish people were being. And it's like, it's all you can eat. Like, just relax. Like, yeah. just, 
and they're just so so disrespectful to the staff and the and the people who are like taking like a place like say Cuba or the Dominican Republic where like they're they're coming from an area that might be a little bit poorer and they're being very polite to you and and they're treating them like they you know like they're slaves is yeah, is the way that these know. people were, re, were were treating these people it was it was a terrible experience so I used to work at this place it doesn't exist anymore but um it was called Chow Baby and it was an all you can eat create your own Asian dish buffet. So they would have this line of vegetables, lines of meat, lines of sauces, and you could basically create your own stir fry. It was really good actually. Um, and contrary to popular belief, it wasn't the big fat people that would eat the most. It was the skinny right. people. Skinny sure. people can put it away. Yeah. We had a guy, we had a guy who was a competitive eater come in oh, God. and he ate 10 bowls of stir fry yeah. and the manager was furious staring at him from behind the round little window leading into the kitchen just glaring at this guy i was like you you're running an all you can eat place man what did yeah. you want you know gotta, like gotta, you gotta put a time limit on an all you can eat place <laughs> you gotta put you gotta make it like an hour and a half max that's that's the key right and i think a lot of places are picking up on that now right right yeah one thing you said before was you were talking about how politically sports teams whatever mm. people attach their identity to these bigger things mm -hmm. and i just wanted to say when you said that it's that is something that i've said in in similar or different words depending on when i was when i said it but um there is there does seem to be in our generation and i'm sure some before and definitely after but uh this profound lack of identity yep and it's it's sad and i really like if i know i can't That's why we're inventing new ones all the time identity but like if i can inspire one person to try to actually find out who they are instead of what some politician or some actor yeah, or whatever's doing i'm in for that it's the only uh, way the world moves forward unless your identity is that you want to eat people Maybe be no, I'm, just be yourself, Jessica. I that's even cool. Yourself out of it. Just be yourself. <laughs> it's okay, we, Jess. We are nearing the two-hour mark, which is mm -hmm. a pretty good cutoff time. Uh, but I wanted to ask you a couple of other questions before uh, we get out of here. Sure. Um, so one is a personal question uh, for for me. I'm not asking you personal questions. I don't want to know your children's middle names, um, but. I have a tattoo appointment on the 18th and right. I thought this is coming up. Why don't I ask my guests what they think? So right now I have my jackalope. I've got a, a Mjolnir cause I'm fat Thor. Um, I've got my rattlesnake and my, uh, smoking skull. Right. Right. What do you think would be a good addition to this arm? I don't know. An eggplant emoji on your forehead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't have any tattoos. I got a cigarette burn on my arm from a gang that I was in when I was like fifteen. No, that was actually a lot more recent than that. But uh, yeah, no, no, I I don't have any tattoos. But I I uh, I, I wish I did. I wish I had a few so I could remember my past a little bit more and the reasons why I did these these certain things. I'll, I'll give you a real answer. Um, what have you gleaned? You know what, man? Oh, from you? Yeah. I, you know, you're gonna think this is a joke. A donkey. Mm. And listen, mm. hear me out. A donkey is one of the most intelligent animals that's out there. They're very affable. They seem like they're very like easygoing and whatever else, but they're very sensitive deep down. They have a great memory. And uh, they'll remember people that they actually care about, uh, even years later. And I've been really respecting donkeys lately and getting into them. So that's a personal <laughs> 
preference not to say you look like a donkey or you act like a donkey no, or anything else but it's one that awesome. most people wouldn't get that's interesting i'm gonna put that on the list okay um <laughs> so uh the other thing is i i prepped you for this i don't normally prep guests for this question but i thought you know you do dark topics you know i'll let you think i'll let you ruminate on it before um a lot of our show is based on hope because mm -hmm. a, right now we have a like especially over the last year and a half, there are a lot of people who are very sad. We live in mm -hmm. a depressing time. We have a lot of people. We, I know over the last year and a half because of what's gone on with COVID and the government's response and all that stuff that have lost their jobs and have left the earth, to, to say it nicely. I know right. people who've lost parents. People are in a dark place. And so my question is, uh, typically we, we used to talk about it in the terms of the white pill, which is hope, you know, that we can win, we can get, keep going. So my question to you is, what is something right now, and like we could, you could talk globally, locally, personally, what's gotcha. something that gives you hope or motivation to continue doing what you're doing? Sure. It's not so much. Of, yeah. Continue on for sure. I, I Because you asked me that question, I think I tried to implement a lot of our conversation that we had here based on that. But I enjoy I really enjoy talking to you both because you're both um, easy to talk to. But um, what I've what I've been doing is um, in the mornings, at least most days, is uh, meditating and just trying to meet the day. A lot of people get jumped by the day. A lot of people just go into it unprepared and they suddenly find themselves fighting through that day. And then at the end of it, end of that day, you might turn to something like alcohol or drugs or cigarettes or just be grumpy or turn to mm -hmm. your TV and try to unwind watching Netflix. And um, I think that's a sad way to live. And I think that it all starts with the way that you meet your day. Even if you work a night shift and it doesn't, it doesn't matter the, the way that you meet the day that you're about to head into it. And for yeah. me, it's, it's been a meditation. There's something called the fourth moment. I talked about a dark topic recently and I don't completely understand it. I believe it's in like Buddhism where there's the present, there's the past, there's the future, but the present is constantly bleeding into the, the future. But the, there's this fourth moment where it's nothing, where you just give yourself a moment. Don't think of anything. And this is just meditation. But you just kind of take, give yourself a break. We're, we're, we're so like inundated with our own thoughts, with other people's thoughts, with the news and everything else. Just give yourself a moment to have nothing. Because in the end and before, there was nothing. There's a Bill Burr joke. He asked an Icelandic guy, what do you think happens after death? And the Icelandic guy was like, well, do you remember what it was like before you were born? And Bill Burr's like, no. He's like, that's what death's like. Hmm. And, and to, 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 to live in that moment that you will experience afterwards and that you experience before for a moment before you start your day, I think it really centers yourself to be prepared for uh, that day. At least, at least that's what's been going on for me. It's, it's, it's too much. There's just too much yeah. that we get um, sidetracked by all the time in our life. And what was the other thing that I was learning about? It's like, you know how life... <sighs> You think that you're kind of evolving through it, but uh, who's, it was in Jurassic Park. He was talking about cotton sales, and he's like, you could see it over over a, over a period of time. They kind of go like this, and they go like that. Even over a week, they go like this, they go like that, and then you look at the span of it over like 50 years, and it and it goes like this. Your your life is like that every day. The point is, is that every day is a chance to change your entire life based on the way that you meet that day and you could change your habits and you could change the way that you look at things 
every single day. I think a lot of people think that it's a progression, mm. but you can stop hard stop in that morning and meet it differently and change the trajectory of your entire life with just some quiet moments. The fourth moment is what they call yeah, it. Yeah. I like that. I like that I a actually, lot. I think a lot of people could take a freaking moment. Like I'm bet. Like I, one of the things that I've been doing um, recently is cause I, you know, I would be the guy who was always surprised by the day. Like that's just mm -hmm. always been, cause I, I really like sleep. Like, I'm a big fan of the stuff. Right. Um, but I, one of the things I've been trying to implement is a time for, uh, meditation, prayer, and and reading with my children. First, Me too. First thing in the day. It's so good. Like connecting with them is mm -hmm. good for me, and it's good for them. And so it's like that's where it's at, man. Reading even for yourself, I, a lot of people have lost that. They think that they're reading all the time because they're looking at their cell phone all the time, reading articles, whatever. But reading someone else's um, experience, even through a fictional tale, is just a really meditative thing and yeah. reading from a book reading off a paper is very important too instead of off that glow on your phone there's something about that glow on your phone that really is draining and distracting light yeah. yeah yeah i have five children so that's the only way i can read is tucked away by myself on the ipad but i turn off the blue light i turn on the other oh, yeah. so it's a little bit better <laughs> try a book try a book cam there's something that you've well, forgotten right now due to my kids being uh, somewhat related to demons in some way. Um, they're <laughs> in our room right now. So they're sleeping in uh, in our room for the moment wow. because I'll be right back know, guys. I'm so sorry. Whatever. No, go ahead. Um, <laughs> but so if, if I am reading, I can't turn on a light to read. And mm -hmm. so I have to use something that provides its own light. So I got you. I got but you. It, but I read all of the walking dead start to finish in like a week. And if you haven't read that, really? no, I haven't read it. It's oh. so much better than the show. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll, because I never watched the show. I, I, I watched the first episode the 15 times, same with uh, Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> but I will, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check out The Walking Dead. I read every night to my kids. I don't know if you heard me talk about that before, but I, I read every night to my kids and my girl in bed. Like we kind of do that thing and then, and then my son will go away, but we act like we're kind of in a cave. We go back mm -hmm. to old times where I picture the father or the mother or the kids even um, talking about their day or is telling a story. Um, and uh, it would be a little uncomfortable for me to sit there and have a powwow with my family and force them to <laughs> listen to me come up with a story. Although my youngest son is always like, what was your dream last night? And then I got to make up a big, long, convoluted, entertaining <laughs> dream that I had last night with him. But um, just reading to them at night is a very like unifying experience no matter what it is and having your children and your your wife or whoever you're you're with um falling asleep to you reading i think is a very bonding experience no matter what you're what you're reading yeah um it's 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 just there are these moments that you don't get to repeat with kids and so no, man. so being a parent is this weird tension between like trying to provide for them and trying to get things done so that they can live and thrive and also trying to make the moments that they'll remember fondly forever. And you got like, it, man. It's hard. Well, but it's, it's, if it's in, you have to be intentional and it's beautiful when you are intentional. And I know that we're kind of running out of time here, but uh, one more thing is like, I, you could probably, you probably, you definitely will understand this. Your children die in life. 
that baby is not that baby forever. That three-year-old who's so special and so funny and so quirky and so unafraid to be themselves is not that forever. They go into school and they become self-conscious and, and they fade away. And you really have to enjoy. You really have to enjoy uh, uh, the, uh, the momentary time that you have with versions of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, I forget who, I think it may have been Thomas Sowell. Um, talked about how there he he talked about how there's no such thing as true equality because even he is not equal to the man he was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, man. That's and so it's 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 this this fascinating thing where like I am the same, I'm the same person in essence, but I have I've changed. Like I I've like you can ask Jessica, I've changed over the last three months, much less the last year and a half to two years, 20 years. And so, I mean, we, these moments, we have to be intentional and grab them. But with that, um, I appreciate the hell out of you. I've wanted to talk to you for a while and I'm glad we did it. Um, I, I appreciate your show and the personal twists you bring to it. I, uh, I'm thank you for coming on. No, thanks for having me for a while, man. I really enjoyed myself. You guys are great. I, I, I really, uh, I could talk forever with you guys. So, um, uh that's that's kind of it's a it's a once in a while thing like where where you'll meet people where you're able to uh to really let it rip and you don't have those moments where you're like oh maybe i shouldn't or you know <laughs> maybe i gotta cater to this particular personality or whatever like that i didn't feel like that once so i, I really appreciate it awesome every time i talk to people i wonder oh should i have said that so yeah. i'm no. never the person to feel awkward around <laughs> all right no i didn't feel <laughs> yeah. it i almost <laughs> never have that feeling because I don't give a shit. <laughs> I envy you so much. Me too. I, I can, I can, well, it's like, I'll laugh at the, like you saw in this, I'm laughing at the worst things and it's because it's not because it's funny or it's, it's good or whatever. It's just like, what the fuck world do I live in, man? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but like I said, thank you for coming on. I do want to tell people where to find you and you can add to my list if you want. And then I'll let you if you want to hang out afterwards, you can. But I'll I'll drop you. Drop yeah, you yeah. Out so you don't have to. I got I got I got to go back and no, I, I got to go back into the kids. No, but, you're um, good. Yeah. Um, but so if anyone wants to find Jack, uh, he doesn't tweet a lot. He's trying to get away from social media. But if you want to see his Twitter, it's at dark underscore topic. And if you want to check out Dark Topic, 911 Calls with the Operator, and True Crime Kent, you can do that at 1159media.com. They also have a Patreon. And so if you sign up for the Patreon, you can actually hear uh, episodes of Dark Topic early, uncut episodes. You can hear the dark calls from the operator. There's a lot you can do there. So I want to definitely let people know, don't just check him out. Join his Patreon. Appreciate it, man. Hit him up. I just want to shout out my brother, uh, my brother Leroy. Excuse me, that's illegal. Is his podcast is one of my favorite podcasts, and also we have a podcast co- out now called the Hugs Podcast, but we're still working on uh, really letting that rip. So, yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. So again, thank you. And uh, before we get to our stuff, would you mind saying that uh, your 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 album, you got gotcha. you, uh, you gotcha. you got gotcha. you. Yeah. Keep, <laughs> keep those eyes cocked. Those doors lock and stay paranoid. Thank, Thank you, you, everybody. Thank you. All right. All right. So everyone else, everyone else who's hanging out to find out our stuff. Like I said earlier, we have a good month ahead for you. Um, next week, we talk about interdimensional beings with Cody Cook. 
who wrote a book called Against the Powers, I believe. I'll have all of that information corrected and in the notes this next week. Him and our friend Ryan Burgett from Techno Agrist will be joining to talk about interdimensional beings, the Divine Council, and the Deuteronomy 32 worldview. It's, it's very deep. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very interesting. I've got some I've done some a lot of reading on it I'm excited about it we've this is the third or fourth time we've set up this episode Jessica which one yeah I think it's the third time it's crazy so definitely um, y'all subscribe to the channel so you get the notification about that because that episode is going to be amazing um and so then right after that we're going to have Scott Johnson on who is a demonologist a pastor and an exorcist and we're going to talk to him about how how an exorcism looks like in real life what Mm -hmm. that means how it works he was taught by a an ex-catholic but now orthodox priest who taught him how to do exorcism so that'll be very interesting uh then after that we got chris date coming in to talk about uh conditional immortality it's going to be a, a show about the concept of hell. It's our last show for October. And following that, we have a science episode. We've got a man named Dr. Robert Hayes coming on, who is a nuclear engineer and a doctor of nuclear science. And so we're going to talk mm-hmm. about that. Um, and also the fact that he works in a scientific field as a Christian and how people often give him crap for that. Not his, not his peers, but people online give him crap about it. And so it's going to be a very interesting episode as well. With that, here are the the plugs. One, run your mouth coffee, rymcoffee.com, promo code the mad ones, get some of their bourbon barrel aged coffee. This stuff is legit. It's so good. Um, if you want b- beef jerky, righteousfelon.com, they have N- N- Nelson Mandela. They've got uh, Maryland Monroe. They've Foul got Capone. Foul Capone. <laughs> They've got all sorts of very good beef jerky that you can try you can also get 10 percent off there promo code there is mad ones so no the on that one uh beyond mm-hmm. that you know you can check us out on youtube youtube.com slash the mad ones um subscribe, subscribe like do all of that hit that bell icon um but we're there we're on rockfin uh we're good and we're also on patreon patreon uh you you can actually get a private rss feed of all of our episodes of all time so you can go last back and listen to Red Pills. You can go back and listen when we talked to Jeff Deist or Scott Horton. You can go back to uh, Kate Cheryl's episode about death. You can go to all sorts of episodes, hit all sorts of things, and that's the coolest thing. Also, with that and Rockfin, I am working on some ideas to make some exclusive things on Patreon. I'll ha- we'll hang out with you. We're going to do some Zoom calls. We're going to get that set up once we get to a certain threshold. So join us. Help us keep this thing going. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter at Cam Harless, if you want to find the lovely Jessica Green, you can f- do that at Soup Canarchist. Uh, if you mm-hmm. want a shirt, we have some cool shirts. We're going to have a new one in January. This is this is a secret. We're new doing season, new stuff. mild rebranding because we do that mm-hmm. with the new seasons. New year, new merch. We are the madones.com slash store. You can listen to us on any podcast platform or directly on we are the madones.com. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to listen to the other shows that I help produce with Ryan Burgett, you can go to mlgnetwork.com. But with that, we're done. So I'm I'm just going to uh, let you go. Um, I need to come up with some kind of outro sentence. Sign off. Oh, yeah. are we talking about the time change yet? Or is that oh, later? November 
first episode, Dr. Robert Hayes, we're moving from 10 o'clock to 8.30. So that yeah. means you can do this earlier quest. You don't have to feel like an old man who can't stay up for this. You can be here the whole time if you want. We will... Quest. Go we ahead. will get you your shirt too, by the way. We owe Quest a shirt still. And the, the only reason you didn't get it is because I ran out of money. <laughs> so <laughs> you will get it soon. I promise you we haven't forgotten about you, bud. So with that, um, we got a lot of cool stuff coming. Join us. We'll be here at 830. That, of course, will put us at odds with other shows. But ours is different than theirs. So come to yes. ours instead. Uh, we love so you a guys. lot of people. I know y'all listen to us on the backswing because you can't make it here for the 10 p.m. live. And so that should enable a lot more of our audience to actually like attend our live shows and participate in the live chat. So we look forward to seeing a lot of you there. And so with that, here's here's your here's my sign off this time. And I, I'm going to I'm going to make it stick. Do it. Get uh, it. So do everything in your power to be a helper. <laughs>